0: So, I'm here with Kyle and Roderick Rose and Sumit. Sumit. Uh, It's first time on the podcast. Welcome, Sumit. Thank you. Uh, I've known Sumit uh, quite a while, like these gentlemen, also from the Prague Power Festival, which is where we currently are. We are in Atlanta, uh, recording this live, which is an (laughs) oxymoron. So we decided to talk about uh, the history. Well, we, we talked last year about the quote-unquote history of prog power. We were doing kind of a like a real early days retrospective dig into.
1: Yeah, well, we've been planning to do this for over a year, right? And it's just. Well, we're last finally year
0: we did an episode and we talked about prog power.
1: Well, right. We talked about prog power in general and then right. about last year's festival specifically. Right. But then we were like, well, oh, wouldn't it be right. great we do if a retro- we did proper retrospective?
0: retrospective um, so, luckily, there are uh, lists of the old lineups and stuff on Wikipedia, which is very helpful because I, I can no longer remember them.
2: Yeah,
1: I, I highlighted some of the uh, some of the well the highlights from the festival, where highlight is defined as how amused we were at the time.
0: So, I think a good place to start is uh, we were talking. Uh, before when we were basically having one of the conversations that we should have just had on the podcast, um, about how the festival, the festival's audience really started off as a few separate online communities, uh, several of which were mailing lists, uh, and some forums, uh there was uh jam which is the uh dream theater fan list the edge of forever which is the symphony x fan list that's the one i was on uh perpetual motion
1: right yeah and that's the the forum that i found in like 97 that was run by the by the d but there were a bunch of people uh who uh who still today go to prog power from that forum
0: and it was it was sort of just a general prog forum right
1: yeah, that was uh, that was, you know, I want to say that it was that it was mostly formed for initially for fans of um, music like Dream Theater right but I mean it was also you know it also had like Fates and and Queensryche fans which you know those three pretty much comprised all of the music back then that people like this were listening to right but then Symphony X showed up and it's like whoa man we can get like fast music
0: that's what we gotta do we gotta start categorizing like the big four or whatever of prog metal bands like Dream Theater, Fates Warning, Symphony X kind of jumped in with those guys a little bit later. Yeah,
1: well, Symphony X was the was like the first band of the second wave, right after those after yeah. the f- the Big Three.
0: Yeah.
3: Um. Uh, I think it's important to note too that uh, Glenn came out of that Glenn came out of that community as well. The uh, the uh, perpetual motion,
1: per- yeah. Yeah. perpetual, perpetual. motion Cool.
0: It. So uh, there was um. It also kind of came out of almost. Uh, correct me if uh, if I'm wrong or, or, or if I'm just making shit up, but it also kind of arose out of sort of the ashes of the Power Mad festival. Because Power Mad kind of had a few years and then kind of fizzled, and didn't Glenn like he went to Power Mad? He was like, I want to do this. Yeah, well, my and, stories, yeah,
2: yeah. I, yeah. Mean, I recall
3: the stories on the uh, on those boards back at the time in the in the late '90s. I believe it was '97 through '99. Uh, about then. Everyone would come back from Power Man and just be delighted that there were these festivals that... There was a festival in the U.S. Not They didn't have to go over to Europe, but it was a festival in the U.S. where they could see this type of music.
1: Even though it was terribly run. Yeah.
3: yeah. They would always say, yeah, we're so glad it's here. We're so glad that Keith Menser did it. But...
1: Wow, this guy doesn't know how to run a festival know at what all.
2: Doing.
3: They did this wrong. We didn't know what band was ever playing. The schedule was way <laughs> off. The sound was way off and so the many bathrooms
1: people, were, were dirty yeah, you know bathrooms everything oh yeah
3: that's a no-go for me forget it <laughs> people would volunteer their assistance for free to help run that festival better and keith menser would say yeah yeah i'd love your help i'd love your help and never contact them yeah uh. and the, <laughs> so i the, the impression yeah, I I ra- ra- have,
0: i'd rather just run it into the ground i mean you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently yeah um yeah so so you know Glenn kind of ran with that and was like hey maybe I can you know run one better or something do it right so the first one was in Chicago Um, and of the four of
1: us the only person who was at that show is sitting across from me
3: to me, because you were, Oh, shit. All right. Well
1: we we got to edit that part none out. Of us, none of us were
3: at the first one. God damn no, it. Okay. I thought you um, were at the first one. Oh, no. We talked about it over the weekend. Oh, cool. I can't remember. Like, I was drunk. Yeah, you know how was, much I was drinking. Yeah. A lot of Long Island STs were consumed. Uh, then your services many, are no longer many, required here because I'm just kidding. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> I would have gone to the first one, but it was uh 21 and up, and I was 20, and it was in Chicago, and I was living in Madison, so it was pretty close. And I was like, this is super convenient. And I, rem- I remember I emailed somebody to be like, is there any way I can get into this? Any way at all? I just, I just want to see the pants. You could have and, gotten in,
3: only if your name was McLovin.
0: Yeah. That <laughs> yes. Oh, shit, yeah. And it was like, oh, the lineup is really, okay. So, I mean, I'm only going to read the good shit, but uh, Power of Omens, Zero hour pain of salvation symphony X evergrey that's ridiculous. That pain um, of salvation, Jake so
3: everyone who says it, who saw it says it was like somehow magical,
0: right, everyone, and, and, yeah. and they were never as good again. Yeah. Well, um, so, so
3: yeah, so I was actually going to get into
1: this later on, right. but uh, but that's actually, I remember when uh, Ralph was talking to me about the uh, so before. Pain of Salvation played, I think, in two thousand two. It was either Yeah, number it either, three. It was yeah, they it was part Three. three. And five. I remember Ralph coming up to me and saying, like and saying, like, oh man pain of salvation at Prog power one it was like a religious experience and then i watched them at Prague power three and i was like they were like standing there on stage like playing their instruments and i was like oh this well, is interesting but not at all religious this might be like what i think of if i went to like a mass or something like that i'd just be bored out of my mind ready to go to sleep
0: <laughs> well okay so uh i mean i thought they were fantastic at Prague power three um that was definitely I don't want to say the best pain in salvation. It was up there. I mean, it's 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 unfair to say it was the best because they hadn't written any material that I was less than a completely enthusiastic about. Um, they only had through Remedy Lane. Well,
1: so let me be clear. I'm not talking about the quality the quality of their music. Oh, I'm talking about their the, stage religi- presence. The religiousness. It was just Well, no, well, I don't no think it was about their the
0: stage presence though. It well, was no, religious but, because everybody was cuz um because a bunch of dudes who like metal cried at it. That was like the <laughs> thing I got from it. Is that a bunch of <laughs> dudes were like so emotional. Yeah, cuz their music is so some, like people were crying and uh, I'm, like all right. And and it was a it was a tiny venue, so it was super intimate. That was I think the real thing is they got on a big stage. People were, like it was such a because and also because like nobody had seen them in the states and it was so it was just a like they were all there and you weren't man and you can never understand what that was like
1: now what year did remedy lane come out was that 2002, two or two 2002. three 2002 2002 okay so 2002, it did yeah. so it did probably come out before that before that show yeah
0: i remember uh or it came out near the, sh- like, around the... Because the, uh, I remember, I know that Ropens had been, like, released as, like, an, you know, quote-unquote single online or whatever, like, they posted it. So I remember hearing that before the festival i'm pretty sure speaking of
1: speaking of odd rhythms like we were talking about before about about under a glass moon that the beginning of that song just kicks ass yeah
0: and i mean i remember because i and i also it was like perfect time the the funny thing is uh i don't know how i would have felt about pain and salvation at the first one because i wasn't into them yet and the first time uh, somebody recommended to them I kind of listened to a couple tracks and was like eh, I don't know I don't like how the guitars sound and that was like hugely important at the time I was like "if I don't like the guitar tone get the fuck out so, so I, I I came around though before Prog Power 3 so in between 2 and 3 I mean I was already on board with with Prog Power in general after 2 I went to 2 and uh, and 2 I mean off the top of my head uh i'm sure i'm pretty sure there's a a lot of it but off the top of my head Evergrey, symphony x uh spiral architect maybe spiral fucking oh you know what's not on on spotify that pissed me off because i really wanted to play insect on this uh on this podcast
1: uh off
0: the spiral architect album yes i believe i probably have off a skeptics universe which is the one there are two spiral architect songs one of which is fountainhead which they're like it's our worst song because they wrote it when they were trying to be like a different kind of band and then there's another one that i don't know what the fuck it is it's just i don't even know if it's the same band but um but yeah uh so anyway the the but so between that and prog power three i did get into pain of salvation which mainly meant i got into the perfect element and then I think it was like shortly before the festival that they released Rope Ends. Um, and I think Remedy Lane came around, out around then, but I'm not exact.
3: It's interesting you mentioned the guitar tone from Pain of Salvation. Uh, because being a guitarist, I would, you would certainly uh, I would understand why you're uh, very attuned to that. But when I heard those first two albums, I was listening to a lot of classic power metal and a lot of dream theater-y prog metal. And then I heard the first two Pain of Salvation albums. And being someone who's never played guitar and doesn't really know much about the technical aspects of it, I, too, thought this, these guitars sound really weird. I don't know what's going on here. And it took me, like, five, six listens probably to even just get, like, a little bit of a feel for it. So,
0: yeah, it, It's because they're all pod. It's all pod. That's why. Sorry. Line 6 expand? pod. The Line 6 pod? Oh, you don't know about the Line 6 pod? Line 6 pod? Line 6 pod? Never. Uh, okay. It gets, uh, guitar players, but I know what I'm talking about. Guitar players know what I'm talking about. Um, the Line 6 pod is the first digital amp modeler and still one of the most popular. Um, But the original pod, the original sort of incarnation with a few slight tweaks lasted a long time. And it went from like an actual pod, which was a little like desktop, like unit, to a, he had the the rack unit one, which was significantly better. Uh, The other guitar player Mirror Black had one for a while Uh, and it was all right uh but the thing was it's it's digital it was early digital modeling so it just it sounded alright i mean i use, i have one i have one of the original pods and i used it on all my demos and stuff but it never quite i was never completely happy with it and there are some good albums that i mean Meshugga actually used pods for a while uh and if you you know if you eq the fuck out of it you can get something pretty useful um and I, and I don't mind uh, Pain of Salvation's guitar tones. I kind of got used to them. They kind of fit the style of music. It's not like they would have sounded like Dream Theater if they were using real amps anyway. And I'm glad they didn't sound like Dream Theater in retrospect. But, you know, my initial thing, and, and again, and honestly, partial. my thing is uh, like, like I almost mean it like critically critical of myself that I was like, I don't like the guitar tone. Fuck these guys. Um, and now it's like one of my favorite bands, you know. And so, uh, but the yeah so they used the same digital modeling for a very long time which is why the new remaster of remedy lane sounds so good because they reamped all the amps okay. with real amps so it's basically like what would remedy lane sound like with real amps and a better mix and that's why it sounds so good yeah
1: it's pretty amazing and if you guys haven't I, heard it yes and that is why
0: i actually purchased the compact disc uh which is also signed by Daniel, even though I didn't really care if he signed it. <laughs> fanboy, and I got a I got a you note. A uh, <laughs> I got a note kiss new york from me which like <laughs> like you know, all of it <laughs> right i was like all right buddy i'll go ahead and start going out the <laughs> let me get like, started now hey, Ground? Uh, Ground?
1: The, the, the
0: daniel gilgum said to kiss you from him, for him new york so oh, well, like the re- <laughs> yeah we should play well, some why stuff not, why not play right. the the new remedy so that's not a bad sure. idea
4: okay.
0: That does <laughs> that not sound nice. like Power. So, <laughs> I forgot the phone was playing. That was just my ringtone, my Steely Dan ringtone.
2: Awesome.
0: Maybe put my phone on.
1: Yeah. So now for Didn't Matt's other love.
0: Right.
4: Yeah, I've never been a huge Pain of Salvation guy. I mean, I, I really like the first album, Entropia. Well, since we uh, never got into Concrete Lake and Remedy Lane, um, it's a good album. I, I mean, it's good, but it's never been in my you know top fifty or anything.
1: Yeah. See, when I when I
4: first I know, got into *Band of Salvation*,
0: no, I thought that I, I thought that one I'm hour. about
4: Matt? He's turning around, and giving me a look. Like I know.
0: Well, I shouldn't be like no, no. back facing you anyway. Or maybe I should, since you don't like Remy Lin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me see if I can get this as appropriate. No, I, I
4: I've grown to like it more and more. I just never, you know, I mean, early on, never resonated with me. Maybe the guitar tone will change.
0: Well, that. here's the here's the uh the updated. Uh, re-remixed, et cetera, uh, version of the song we we're just talking about, Rope Ends.
4: Definitely sounds different.
1: It's more alive. Yeah, it's much more dynamic. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, this is one of the greatest progress Albums ever made, in my opinion, and it's nice that it finally has a mix sort of worthy of it.
0: I agree. Because that's the other issue with Pain of Salvation, is that pretty much at least the first like five or six albums i'm pretty sure he mixed them all himself they recorded a lot of stuff at his home studio which you know guitar wise it doesn't really matter if it's all modeled anyway but
1: i mean i think he's got a pretty good ear maybe he was dealing with you know with, with substandard equipment you know where are we starting from
0: uh (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, I
1: don't know. about where we started
0: playing the I'm getting yeah
1: well I'd say I, I would say go back to the Just beginning
0: of Robins alright I'll play Robins again
4: definitely sounds more alive
1: yeah totally I agree. You know, like 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 I've said many times, you know, it's nice <laughs> that, uh, that, that this album, one of the greatest prog albums in the history of metal, uh, has uh, finally has a mix worthy of it. Yes.
0: Um, yeah, when, when they first announced it, I'm always a little skeptical of this kind of thing, because I'm like, you know, don't go Star Wars special editioning your shit, like... Well, part, I mean, part of it, like, oh,
1: remasters often end up, like, brick walling the mix, right? Yeah. And then you end up with, like, this super compressed mix that sounds like crap. But this sounds amazing. Yeah,
0: because not only did they reamp the guitars with real guitar amps, but the dude who mixed it is, like, one of the best metal mixing guys right now. And. There's a lot of layers on this album, and getting all of them to sit can be tricky. And I will agree, uh, uh, in the edit, somebody said that, you know, Daniel did a really pretty good job considering he mixed them himself. And I definitely agree, which is one of the reasons when they first announced it, I was like, he did a pretty damn good job as it is. Why you gotta remix it? But there are parts of this mix that are definitely better and you can hear certain things you couldn't hear otherwise
1: yeah well so, i mean sometimes when you when you re-release something like this uh there's a danger of doing too much you don't want to you don't want to make artistic changes right what you want to do is kind of try to realize your original vision that was limited by sort of the the technical capabilities that you had at the time but don't change the art and that's right. the mistake that Lucas made right? right is that he changed the art he yeah. changed the films yeah he, he didn't he didn't just like like turn up any, the brightness
0: or something right he never any respect for his own work
1: you know I mean the equivalent would be like you know Golden Lowe saying boy you know I really should add like a piccolo
0: solo right here <laughs> right right <laughs> I originally too. pictured this song with a string quartet that I never wrote, but <laughs> I thought I'd just put it on top of it and see what happens. Yeah, this is not that.
4: S
2: well,
4: It's not like there haven't been artists who have actually done like, when they go back to do the the re the remaster. Yeah. They, they oh, we had a uh, we had a string quartet, and in the original mix. We, we, we dropped it down so it wasn't there. You couldn't hear it. But we decided when we did the, the remake we would actually so you can hear it now and it's it like, doesn't sound anything like
0: Yeah, it's not the same but album. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. I don't
4: remember who that was.
0: Um, or like I'm trying to think if, there's, if, if I can think of an example where somebody you know had like sampled orchestral instruments and then redid it with like real ones. I don't think There've been like live performances like that, you know, like so and so performing with an orchestra, and so they basically arrange their keyboard parts for an orchestra or whatever. But it's not really the same thing.
3: Therion has done that a little bit of that because they did some stuff in like '94, '95, '96.
0: Oh, that's right, they did. And yeah. Then
3: they re-recorded a few songs on EPs a little bit later um, that they used actual orchestral instruments, but no full album, mm-hmm.
4: so Didn't Megadeth change Hangar 18 when they uh, redid? Uh, oh, so, yeah, so yeah. the problem,
1: well, uh, so the problem with Rust and Peace was that they didn't have the original vocal tracks for one for, song? for no for several for songs. Several it wasn't songs. just one song. No, it was it was, it one was one about song. half of them. No, I think it was about half. Of them. I mean, oh, if you if you listen to, I mean, if you if you know that album like I do, Megadeth's <laughs> to I know that
2: you album, will but.
1: you will you will know that, that that when you listen to the to the remix. Um, the vocals are very clearly different yeah. On about half the songs okay. I can't remember which ones they all are And I'm not actually even sure if Hangar 18 is one of them Because it's been a long time since I listened to the remix
4: Because the it fucking soul. sucks I'm pretty sure so. the, the changes to Hangar 18 were just mixed like,
3: like the drums were Elevated a little bit Uh, tornado of souls was really one that really stands out
1: yeah some yeah some of them are are really bad and it's 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 bad enough that like i can't listen to that i much prefer the original mix of that album that was one album where like the remix was not good like they did not do a good job with that on the other hand the killing is my business remix was no the peace sells sells remix
2: Peace
1: sells yeah, the, the, the Peace Cells remix was amazing. Like, it made that album, like, so much better because originally, like, it was so... Like, it was compressed and the volume was down. Like, you couldn't hear anything. There were no dynamics. And the, the remix really opened it up a lot. Yeah,
4: but I was thinking Killing It's My Business because that, that, that album was recorded... For like six hundred bucks on shitty equipment, they didn't know what they were doing, and then they put out this.
1: You know, you, you're the. One oh that right, right, yeah. You know, 2000,
4: 2001 or two. The one like, with the
1: bleep, the these boots.
4: Yeah, right. But the mix is a substantial improvement.
0: Yeah, I, I haven't listened to any of those. Yeah, that's that's okay. Uh-huh. We forgive you. <laughs> well, it's that's what it is. It's when you when you start like that's why this is an interesting exception because they were able to reamp the guitars, which. They could probably only do because he recorded it with uh, line six stuff, and so he had dry tracks. You know, like who has dry tracks? Nobody does. You know, unless you're specifically planning to reamp the guitars in the first place. So it's probably one of the earliest albums you could even do that with. But uh,
4: can you um, treat us like idiots and explain reamping? Yes, pl- yes, yeah. Please, please
1: explain so, your
0: your music terminology. Yes. Um, I'm gonna turn this down slightly. Okay. So. Um reamping is where if you record a dry guitar track just you plug the guitar into the console and just record that. So dry track is basically just the electrical signals coming directly from right. the guitar. That's it. Which sounds like shit but what you can do with that signal is you can run it into an amp and it sounds just like you're playing if you record it well it's you know the same signal so you can you basically run that through an amp and then record the amp as if you're recording somebody playing through it and that's reamping so nowadays why are why isn't
1: all music recorded that way just record well, that and then you could do dsp well, you know the a la is, axe effects to get be whatever because, you want right
0: you can record like axe effects you can uh use the built-in usb interface to uh record both the axe effects dry and processed tracks so like the 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 album i'm working on now i'm going to record all my tracks both dry and processed so if i want i can completely change the tones i don't have to play it again you right, just later on you can just the release the track. acoustic version like oh yeah sure <laughs> so uh but the thing i mean and and it's it's actually i was i was actually wrong when i said like was the early album you could do that with because I was, I was just re- remembering there's actually a bunch of uh Or there was some point where I think in Rush, the producer... So, like, producers have done this before. They would make someone record something dry and then add all the effects later. Uh, Although, again, there's different levels of dry, right? You could just record an amp and then add effects to it, or you can record, like, the driest possible just the guitar signal. Uh, So it's not that common. And, again, the the other part is that... Or the other issue in the past is that... uh, it's hard. You need. You still need to be. The guitar player still needs to hear it through an amp, right? So you need to basically record it dry, but still have it going through an amp, so he can hear it coming through an amp. Otherwise, if they're just trying to record it with like sounds a, ridiculous. yeah, it sounds ridiculous. And you're not going to get a good performance. Um, so you know, it's it's gotten a lot easier, both with regular, uh, you know, just record a clean signal and reamp it. And with digital options like the Axe FX, where it's basically... You can ha- record with the Axe FX and then reamp with the Axe FX, with itself. Just a different amp model, you know. So you can kind of do that now, and it gives you a lot more flexibility. So if you get a good performance, you don't have to try to re-record the performance. You just change the tone or whatever. Um, but yeah, so that sounded... Uh, I, I really was surprised how much i liked that remixed pain of salvation but anyway let's let's not turn this into the remixed remedy lane episode
1: right well i was just i just want i did want to point out that at that you know sometime in the next half hour sumit iron man sumit dandikar is going to have to uh, head back to the arena to keep his streak alive mm. of seeing every at least some of every band at Prog Power since Prog Power 2. Mm. Not Prog Power 1 as we were... Yes, yes. Sorry, I I misremembered. It was the alcohol (laughs) which had all sorts of bad effects over Dragon Con. (laughs) So, but yeah, we should get back to Prog Power and, you know, make use of... uh, of his
2: <laughs>
1: superior knowledge of what actually goes
4: on on the floor. He's seen more of the bands than any of us, probably. Definitely.
0: Definitely more than I have. Defin- yeah. the, and the more you, the more, the later you go, the more that is true because the less I have bothered to yeah. catch bands that I... Yeah, that's I'm, pretty much true of all of us in a way. But, yeah, so.
1: well, it's. It, I mean, it, it, the middle years are probably the worst for me because they're, you know, as we'll probably get to, um, of the leanest years in terms yeah. of interest.
4: Well, I mean, I my first year, I only, I
1: only missed one band.
4: I saw everything for all the bands except for one. What <laughs> was your
1: first year, 2005?
4: 2005, Proc Power 6, Kangra, Therian. Yeah.
1: yeah, that was a particularly good year.
4: I know, it was a
3: great year to get my intro to, uh, to Pride Power. It was great. Yeah, wasn't that, uh, was that Brainstorm's first performance, or was that the following year? I actually think that was the year before me. Uh, okay.
1: Yeah, I can tell you in a
0: second. Anyway, not to jump yeah, in Yeah, Brainstorm's years, 2004. I mean,
4: We're going to, to do this in chrono order. The, you know,
0: well, we don't, we don't, have, we to, don't we do have to. We don't have to. Yeah, because we don't really have a plan. Have but.
3: Varyon, Stradivarius. All right, so Conception let's.
0: Here, I'll read through some of the, yeah, the Conception. lineups. Conception. All right, so we talked awesome. about the highlights of, of Prague Power 1, even though we weren't there. Prague Power 2 uh, was the first one held in Atlanta, where it still is now, 2001 in November. Um, uh, so here, here are the bands that played for uh, Prague Power 2 Superior, Balance of Power, Nightingale, which is uh, one of Dan Suano's bands, Spiral Architect, Steel Prophet. Angel Dust, Arc, Evergrey, Camelot, and Symphony X. Yes, um, uh, so Prophet.
4: One of those band. I mean, I didn't go to this obviously, but one of those bands seems like it doesn't belong. Like Spiral Architect, I see is just such an outlier. For well, the Prague power ca- audience. Well,
0: but it's it's uh it's the extreme end of Prague, right? It's like, it's like tech, tech metal, yeah. What I'm saying, it's tech. But tech is just, but so is uh, like, but tech in a lot of ways just means so complicated that uh that it seems like it doesn't make sense but they still made more sense than seventh wonder <laughs> like their compositions are seem erratic and unnecessarily complicated but there's still more coherence. yeah what i'm saying Warner. is
4: it seems odd in the sense that it that that style well, again, would not have, would, but, but would not appeal to the typical prog power Attempted. Well, no.
1: So, uh, I think in the in the early days, Prague Power was heavily skewed toward the Prague head, yeah, right. And those those guys were the ones who were jizzing all over Spiral Architect and like Reading Zero and and Zero, Zero Hour. hour. And I mean, this
0: particular one, actually, if you think about it, so Superior Prague Metal from Germany, um, Balance of Power Power Metal, Nightingale is like it's Dan Swano who's known for like Swedish death metal but Nightingale wasn't that sort of more his like
3: it was more like Prague
0: rock Pragueish. Uh, uh,
3: it was almost AORish some, somewhat you know? I mean yeah I, I feel like Nightingale was AOR like I, I seem to recall Terry like were saying like v- oh yeah so they were great. Ball band because you know, the first 10 years of the well, festival there was, there
0: was some there was, I don't like, know if it, it sounded band. like AOR but it was it, it sounded kind of like I mean it was clearly his attempt to do something melodic right yes. um, I should say that I missed that set I saw it but it was I didn't care i he, was it was real. people who are fans of his were like really excited and that was one of those ones where a bunch of people were like dude nightingale was the shit this weekend and i was like that was the one set i could not give a shit about i was, was so bored yeah no I, he had like a book <laughs> i remember seeing him having this weird <laughs> lyric really? book and i was like what is he and he was staring yeah, Matt, at him that's like He's i hope like, this like, is still open oh <laughs> uh, i mean i watched the whole thing because that's what i did the first few years but
3: the strange thing about Park Power too also there was some college chick there who was doing a report about music fans and rock fans and i remember right after i got done rocking out to angel dust like i was fist pumping i was like sweating she comes up to me with a microphone and she's like asking me questions about what it's like to be a music fan and what it's like to you know be a metal fan and i was like you know Wow, this, this is this must be like a really big deal. This prog power thing must be a really big deal. Like reporters are covering this shit. <laughs> or were you like, are you
0: not a metal fan? Like how did you get in here? Yeah, no and um uh Angel Dust I really liked. I was really disappointed that they just kinda like disappeared. Um
1: Yeah, that was a that was one of the bands I was looking forward to the most that year and uh, yeah like after that they just disappeared yeah
0: it was a shame i bought There's like two of or three other that albums
4: that don't exist anymore
0: yeah. yeah um all right uh oh okay you wanted to talk about the party
1: all right so <laughs> well two- so so the party was wasn't the party for redemption the following year not for steel profit no, because know no.
0: here's how the, the party was because of camelot Right. Okay, you, you're just going to have to tell the story. Right. Okay, just tell the so story. what happened was, um, I guess uh, Rich talked to uh, Mike Kaiser, uh, volunteered his room or said something that sounded too rich. Like he was volunteering his room for a party, and he happened to have one of these huge suites at the Artmore, like one of the biggest. I think it's the biggest room at the Artmore. Yeah,
1: back when it was the Granada, right? I, I don't know right. if they still have it, but yeah. they but they used to have these humongous two two floor suites yeah. that had like two bedrooms. They sleep like
0: twenty. It had like a whole dining room and uh, like a, a whole dining room table. Like it was it was huge, uh, which is significant because. Um, Everyone went. Everyone went to that party. Uh, so what happened was um, Rich found a couple girls to hold up a sign and I don't know if he made this. I don't know who Honk made the sign. Honk if you like cupcakes? Or? But no, they made a sign and what they were trying to say was that the party was at the Best Western uh, in room 303. But the way they wrote it was like best and then it was like Western Party. So like they were trying to like go like best western and best party or something. But it looked it was hard it, it read funny. It was like best western party? What it was just it was confusing. But it but it did have room like, th- like Cowboys and Indians right. or something. But it had three oh three, room three oh three. And what happened was they held it up during Cam- okay, so Camelot was one of the headliners. Um, they were so th- like one night it was Symphony X, like the Prague headliner, and the other night it was Camelot, the power metal headliner. So uh, Camelot headlined on Saturday night, and when they like brought the lights down and sat down for like the acoustic like ballad song, they held up the sign, and Roy Khan saw it. And he kind of read it. He was kind of like, what? Best Western party? And it was kind of, you know, but then, but he read room 303 (laughs) and everybody heard it. And Mike Kaiser was like, oh, fuck.
2: Um, Everyone's
0: (laughs) coming to my room. And everyone did. And that was what happened. So, like, after the show ended, everyone knew where to go for the party. And basically, people kept coming all night. Like, until, like, 4 a.m., people kept showing up in that room. I stayed in that room till 7 a.m. And And, and
1: just to be clear to all the listeners, there does exist video of this. There's a video,
0: yeah. So uh, this girl, Mary, uh, had a a camcorder, but then she didn't want to, like, carry it around or whatever. And so she gave it to rich so rich just like ran with that he just we just like went around and like and, and we learned a valuable lesson that year which we attempted don't, to recreate don't, <laughs> don't give candy years. to a baby i don't know no, <laughs> is if you stick a camera in people's face they'll do shit like you're like here do some shit they will like it's that's what cameras are for um
3: listen you were there till 7 a.m i showed up yeah. at, at that room at around 2 a.m and it was already obliterated like the room looked like it was torn to shreds. yeah well
0: and but the, the party kept going until like a good like four or so I mean the real reason I stuck around after four is cause that's when we got all the crazy stuff which was um oh man so I don't know if I should name them but um well it doesn't really look bad for Oyvind. it just looks bad for Rick Mathias and from Steel Prophet um <laughs> those are the two dudes who like basically well Oyvind. Oyvind uh i mean i don't even know if he was really drunk he might have just been fucking with us but oyvin's whole thing was like he he was kind of um i don't he just started saying uh like mostly we were we we had the camera on rick for like an hour and a half because rick and i don't know what he took well he (laughs) took something i have i have suspicions as to what he took but i'm not going to talk about the motherfuckers um but he was just like he would not shut up and he was literally rolling around and shit like he was very physical he was talking but he was also very physical and he was just spouting all kinds of crazy nonsense and it was very entertaining so we kept you know filming and kind of you know egging him on a little bit and then (laughs) and then like Oyvind would jump in but he was just he would just be like you know what I like stuff and we were like yeah, okay he's like you know what else i like things we we're like okay <laughs> Oven. and he kept just saying i'm just a quiet guy so i think he was just like this you know shy normal dude who sings in a crazy technical metal band and he's just like oh, i don't know and he's norwegian so maybe that's just all the english he knew i don't you know like i really i don't think so but i really don't know um but it was very amusing and we had a lot of inside jokes that lasted for a solid decade or maybe more. Um,
1: yeah, I still have
0: not actually seen this video, but one of oh these yeah. days... Rich has it. He definitely has it. Yeah, I know. You guys were talking about it a couple of years ago. I Well, uh, due to our our podcast last year, I tried to track it down and I got like half of it. And But then Rick said he has the whole thing anyway. So if you want to see it, you can basically that what sucks though is that we basically like i spent the next like six years (laughs) trying to find a party as good as the first frog power i went to and i mean luckily um I mean, it's funny because the current state of affairs, this is going to turn into the Prague power party retrospective episode now, basically, probably. <laughs> but the interesting thing and the interesting state of affairs is that there there is a nice, this is probably one of the reasons I'm still coming to Prague power is that at some point we hit this nice equilibrium where the art more was taken over by people who understood that people were spending, you know, we're booking their entire hotel every year for this event. And so well also they they did this remodel so there was suddenly this outdoor courtyard so you know that is like the official party spot now but what's interesting is there was like a solid decade of like where's the party turmoil and and well, so I mean, so the, the party when the,
1: before the fair, the Fairfield closed, so so the Fairfield right. was one of the, was the one Fairfield of the two main hotels.
0: inherited, it was like, for a few years, it was all about the Fairfield.
1: Right. So the, so like the, the big parties between like 2002 and 2004 happened at the Fairfield. Yeah. And then the Fairfield got, got bought out by like, you know, the Savannah College of Art and Design yeah. or something yeah. like that. Right. And then turned into a dorm. And so, uh, and so the, the rest, those of us who used to stay at the Fairfield now, uh, went to the Residence Inn, which does not have the same kind of courtyard that yeah. the Fairfield has. It
0: has a small outdoor area, but it's right on the
1: street, it's right, in, the right street, view yeah. in view of like you police know the and police whatnot, and yeah. the homeless people and everyone else. And yeah. it turned it was kind of a it was not an ideal setting for parties. So instead, like room parties started happening, yeah. but those weren't well advertised. It was sort of hard right. to find. So them. the other
4: issue with the with the Residence courtyard is that not everybody in the Residence is attending the festival. So it's like, yeah. you, can't, you can't have a big crowd of 60 people out there, 100 people out there, crowding this tiny little area, making a lot of noise. Well, we
1: could if they assigned every room in the front of the hotel just to Prague Power attendees. Hey, yeah,
2: Yeah. Well, I'm sure you remember,
3: like, uh, 2009 or whatever, when there was a couple of people in the Artmoor who were not Prague Power people. Yeah. And I remember, like, there was one lady right in the middle of the courtyard on the second floor, and she would be angrily peering through the curtains, and then periodically people would look up at her and motion her down to join the party, (laughs) (laughs) and then she would hastily close the curtains and then a couple minutes later would start angrily peering out again
1: (laughs) well I I mean to be honest right if I had booked a hotel room somewhere and I wasn't expecting like a loud fucking party to go until
0: five in the morning (laughs) I might be annoyed too yeah 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 what's interesting is I do I remember a lot those years I mean there were yeah there were a few good Fairfield years but I remember after that um, and I don't I mean, I don't think in 2002 that I... I don't know if I went to the Fairfield in 2002. I think I was... uh, The first few years, I roomed with Chris. I don't know. You guys met Chris, right? Chris Wurmbrock. And um, basically, after 303, we we would look for the party. And I remember just uh, at the Granada just wandering through... And we found a few good ones, actually. Actually, at number three... There was a pretty good party because all the German bands went there. Blind Guardian, Ed Guy, it was Blind Guardian? I think it was Blind Guardian.
1: Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think they played on Friday.
0: Yeah, and Ed Guy and um, so yeah, it, that was pretty crazy. And I remember there was some room we randomly went into that John Schaefer had just been in. He wasn't there at the, anymore, but like the dude whose room it was had like interviewed him or something, and I don't know. We we thought that was hilarious for some reason um oh and richard christie was hanging around he wasn't playing or anything but he was still playing drums at the time just not at the festival but he was he was there and we we're like that's cool oh because he was with john because he was playing in Iced earth at the time anyway um but yeah i remember a lot of just wandering through the halls peering into rooms that were noisy or had a door open you know but also at the same time the staff would go around and shut them down or make you close the door and it's like, that's how people know it's a party. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: I, I remember Granada parties that like, you would be there for a little bit and then the staff would shut you down and the whole, go party look for another party. whole party would just migrate somewhere <laughs> else, yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, I remember that, the, the first year, I think the first year that Rod came to Prague Power, we, you know, got like two 24 racks of some horrifying beer and we're just like carrying them around from, you know, floor to floor in the Granada
0: trying to find a party. Yeah. Well, that helped if you had and that's the other thing if you had if there was no beer the party died so you had if you even if you had a room you're trying to have a party i mean there was a lot of cases where we'd go into you know um the one with all the german bands was a decent sized room but sometimes you just go into a regular sized room and it'd be like five people hanging out and you'd be like what's up and they'd be like you want a beer and you'd be like i guess this is the party (laughs) And my, you know you hope it, you know attracts more people, and other know.
3: times it would be a regular sized room with twenty five people, and you'd be trying to get a beer. <laughs> yeah. Well, my so my
4: yeah my first year um, Saturday night you you bailed because you had to fly. I'm talking to Kyle, I had to fly out like ridiculously early the next day. But I didn't. I was going to drive back to Durham, and um, I ended up in the Granada at a party at, at a party which I, b- I believe was in Glenn's suite. Like, and it was Glen was there on the bed with the guys from stride and they were just like the guys from stride where you know they had some acoustic guitars and they were just singing they were everybody was just singing songs and there was a bathtub full of beer <laughs> <laughs> and so i just i spent the last like two hours of my saturday night that's where your gold like,
1: badge money goes <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i do
1: so
4: that was that was that was that was a good experience for my uh you know my first year
0: i think i heard about that one I heard about the acoustic songs. And I mean, it wasn't very good
4: beer, but it, but it was free beer, and it was seven. Yeah, don't complain
0: about a free beer. Free beer. No, I'm yeah. not complaining. I'm not complaining. And I heard best that
4: beer I've ever had at seven a.m. Not going to
0: lie. <laughs> I heard there were acoustic songs and 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 uh, Jimmy Buffett.
4: Y- yeah, no, it wasn't like it wasn't you know stripped down metal songs. Right, they were, they were singing. Cl- they were singing you know yeah. revisions of, of classic
0: when you take away the metal that's what glenn likes
1: i think i I think my yeah my 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 favorite 7 a.m beer was i think it was i think it was 2003 or something i was staying at the fairfield with with tj bob and ralph and we woke up you know it was was sunday morning we woke up at like you know seven or eight a.m And we're like, all right, it's time for us to go. Open up the fridge. Huh, there are four Guinnesses left. Well, there are four of us.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Can't take out one plane, got to finish
0: them. Yeah. Awesome. Sweet. So, uh, that was the, party situation well, yeah, um, yeah
4: and and until i mean until the armoor court, courtyard became like a regular thing like yeah the, the, the room thing was it was here or miss, miss. Well, yeah, i mean exactly.
0: which which was for, the, for some years it was fun one, because one, one year went into the picture stevens
4: yeah. uh room in this building yes and he had a hit a hit a party that was going pretty well until he showed everyone his penis <laughs>
0: uh, I was gonna say I think I was at that party, but and, I definitely that wasn't was, there for that. That was
4: the party where um, who's the whom I think Bill, uh, this the guitarist Bill Hudson. Um, you know, had had some some uh, oh, words about I remember a, that
2: party.
0: a
4: gentleman who stole his laptop.
0: I remember um, that party, and I remember um, that was the party where uh, I told some girl that like this party ain't shit. You 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 weren't there for the 303 party. Let me tell you about the room 303 party. That was what I I basically... How'd that go over? uh, I
1: I mean... (laughs) Let me tell you about what happened back in the day. I thought
0: it was pretty amusing at the time, but uh, I remember... um, No, I mean, it didn't really go anywhere (laughs) but it was and well there was the thing bill was there that was part of the like i think i dragged him into the conversation or like he was like you know what are you he was like what with this party and i was like um it's like room 303, man. It was like the biggest party at prog power ever. So was this,
1: was this, was this chunky bill or, Oh or, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, he was, this is was before like this was Selador
0: bill. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who I, I'm trying to remember this is after we played a show with them. Cause we played with Selador in Minnesota. Um, I'm not sure if this is, this must've been after that. Cause I, cause that's where I think I knew him from. I recognized him from there and I was like, Hey dude, yeah, was like, Oh that's cool. Anyway. <laughs> um
1: yeah, the art Artmore was a strict upgrade. I mean, I remember, yeah. you know, we, yeah. we, we we held parties in our room in the in the residence for a few years in a row, and yeah. I mean, some of them were interesting, like that time that, like the time DC Cooper yeah. like came in and shotgunned a beer at like three in the morning, yeah. wh- like long after the party had ended, like the right. last people had already left, and he walks in, he's like, "Where's the party?" and like grabs a beer out of the fridge, shotguns, it, and is like, "All right, get some out of here," and left. <laughs> that was
0: our brush with fame. That was an, uh, another recurring feature of the first. Years of Prague Power is that DC Cooper was always showing up places. Um, I mean,
3: he, he was he was invited to Prague Power too as a special guest, and so I guess Glenn put him up in the Fairfield and whatever. And then after that, he kept coming. Just oh, close. Yeah, and yeah. At Prague Power yeah. Six. He was a performer. Yeah,
4: finally at Prog he did, Prog Power. A, he did, he did <sighs> an acoustic set at the at the, uh, the Thursday show, in, in he, the, which was at that time in the loft.
0: Yeah. He showed up at the uh, the Shadow Gallery lunch and like they like like it was a big deal like he was a special guest uh, he, he didn't, he didn't have, okay he didn't have lunch he just showed up at it to be like yo i'm dc cooper uh, i'm dc i'm kind of a big deal here i was sang on a song on that shadow gallery album that one time remember that guys it's pretty cool right alright I'm out of here like yeah he well, but, that's a,
1: but that's not the I mean you know he showed up at like a seismic lunch one time right. too no, yeah. like just he, out of the blue he, right. he's like hey I'm DC Cooper yeah,
0: he shows up at your lunch <laughs> so that you'll go oh my god DC Cooper and then once everyone stops being excited he leaves cause that's all he's, he's there to soak it up and then he's like I'm out of here
3: well the one year his band played I was told by one of the crew members they were doing the sound check and someone came into the back of the, of the hall and they saw this chick on stage with like Tight black pants and long blonde hair, and we're like, "Wow, that chick's got a sweet ass." Then chick turns around and it's DC Cooper.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, was that when awesome. Silent Force was playing? Was that yeah. when they did Infatuator? Yeah, was that eerie? That's what we should play. We should listen to Infatuator oh, now. That's yeah, that'd be great. Even though it will probably be featured again on our inarticulate screaming episode, <laughs> also known as the the wah episode wah mm-hmm. this is also their um, their uh, let's try to uh, do our version of painkiller yeah. thing where it's like
3: I mean there's a Judas Priest cover on this album if I recall correctly yeah. <laughs> so. In fact, I think there's a pain uh, cover uh, cover from uh, that album.
0: Actually. Probably. song It's like Painkiller, but about something way less cool-sounding. Infatuator! Pain Reliever. So,
4: does, does Silent Force have a... Um thematic element like a Jesus thing to it? Like,
0: like I have just, no idea. This is pretty much the percent. most I've ever listened to them is this one song. Okay. I never listened to this album. Oh, you're right. All Guns Blazing. It literally has a song from Painkiller on it. Subtle. Subtle, DC. <laughs> For about four or five years after this, Rich and I, when we could find a party, would just sing Infantilator <laughs> at each other across crowded rooms.
4: Yeah. yeah do love the, hair. the The painkiller vibe is definitely... Yeah. But there's yeah. a lot of fans like that. Like, no, that's, like, that, that's like, the thing. Like, sure. like the, at least the Archers last year.
0: No, there's, a, there, there's this trend... Year. I was joking about, there's this trend of bands like, I don't know if it's it, it, the same thing in their career, they need to like show everybody they're tough or something, but they just have this Shatter-ton. like, right, we're gonna, we put out an album where we do the Painkiller thing. right And I was joking that I wanna do the same thing, but with Turbo, which is like <laughs> the stylistic opposite of Painkiller. it's like, Painkiller was like making up for Turbo, right? It was right. like, just in case you were wondering, we're still fucking hard as shit. <laughs>
4: But, but it was harder than anything it ever done
0: right, right right. It was like and turbo had all these synths and shit and people were like what the fuck Jesus? and they're like okay okay just kidding just kidding <laughs> we're hard as fuck just kidding we're hard as fuck and they got a new drummer who was like yeah,
3: badass actually yeah right yeah, yeah. Right. that was made a huge difference the old guy for. had medical issues by that point <laughs> alright yeah.
2: yeah
4: a lot of bands have based their careers around like basically replicating painkillers yes. over and over and over again
0: exactly yeah, yeah yeah um (laughs) yeah this is still my favorite dc cooper song (laughs) though you know semi-ironically i'm already bored with it because he's not he's not screaming infatuator (laughs) so
3: admittedly the other songs on this album aren't quite as entertaining as this one like
0: yeah see i don't even i don't even know them I'm just, I, yeah.
3: Well, much like the the Painkiller album, they don't quite go as crazy as they did on that first track. Yeah, just trying to yeah. Prove the point.
0: So. There are some good songs on the album though, yeah. other than Painkiller. Yeah. There's some. Oh. Good tracks.
3: Yeah, definitely. There
4: are. I'm I'm fond of the uh, the slower one. Um. Uh, what's it called? A touch of evil. A touch of evil. Touch of evil. Touch of evil. I love yeah, that song. Yeah, it's a good. Song. It's a great song. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you know, I've never heard this album. I've never heard this song, but. But it's like, I can, I can, I can anticipate the breaks. I can, yeah, like, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, it's yeah. just paint by, n- it's, there's nothing interesting about it. I mean.
0: Back to the intro riff. Yeah. Yeah. Other than he keeps singing, I'm not sure I <laughs> It's alright, if this is your thing, whatever, man. <laughs> I only know this because they played Prog Power and I laughed my ass off at this song. it's like it's trying to do painkiller but still do like a dumb 80s song about a hot chick <laughs> like
2: <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> oh, that
0: so painkiller <laughs> but worse <laughs> uh, that was technically still uh, you know thematically appropriate they play prog power we should listen to insect since we talked a bunch about spiral architect but have not given the people an example and since it's not on spotify for some
2: reason
4: We have conception on there because I can't find conception Ooh. on Spotify. That's a good question.
2: Yeah. You're good.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna rewind that.
2: Yeah. There we go.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can totally understand why tech heads were all over this back then i mean this was unlike
0: i mean it was (laughs) i would play it for people just to like confuse them though and i would just (laughs) laugh and laugh it was so funny to me for some reason and i think this is actually one of the more easier songs one of the more uh, one of the easier songs to follow (laughs) which is not saying
2: much
1: well,
0: I mean, I'm sort of curious. What do you think of uh, of like Watchtower or bands like that? I mean, there, this is yeah, this is uh, this is basically a progression like from Watchtower. I mean, this is uh, it's the same kind of boat. It's like I
4: think it's more. I think it's more closely related to so. But it's very similar. They had that. They had that they have that smooth jazz break just a second like ago, yeah. right? I mean, that's...
0: but a lot of the riffs do sound like a lot like Watchtower like this kind of thing that didn't you know, yeah yeah. I mean, there's
4: no there's no harsh there, So there's
0: that True. Watchtower doesn't have harsh that's rules. what I'm saying Cynic, oh, yeah. Cynic had the, oh, Cynic was oh yeah, yeah, that yeah that's right, right. Yeah. Tech yeah now uh, Oyvind has a new band um, which he's been posting about on Facebook and there's some pretty cool people in it let me see if I can find the info
4: this guy uh, also do uh, Twisted In the Form? The band.
3: Probably, I don't know.
4: Is Twisted In Form at all related to guys in Spiral?
1: Honestly, I don't know.
4: I can't remember. Just going back deep into the memory. I can yeah.
0: yeah, so the vocalist is Oyvind uh, Hageland, who, as we mentioned, was at the 303 party. Uh, his new band is called Terra Odium uh and it also features uh bali frederickson steve DiGiorgio giorgio on bass who although mostly known as like a well he was in cynic wasn't he or played he with played them in cynic for, yeah
2: uh, he's
0: mostly a hired gun plays with a lot of different people but he's really good
4: no no he didn't play in cynic i'm sorry he didn't play so he played in um he played in he was in death at the same time the two guys from Cynic were
0: Oh okay. They should can play on some Cynic stuff too though cuz he did
4: I don't think he's ever been an official member of Cynic because well, he's there but he played one of them of Cynic is the basis.
0: Oh okay. I'm trying to think what else he's done cuz he's been on a lot of stuff that he wasn't in the band. Right.
3: He was momentarily in Testament, Death, right?
0: Control well, Denied was, Testament.
3: Well, he was momentarily in everything. He was an ice guitarist for a
0: minute. Um yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he played much.
4: at this fest at Future's End.
0: Yeah, true.
3: And he was, like, Probably in and out of death a few times, like, because yeah, he was doing other yeah. things. Right, yeah.
4: yeah. Yeah, he played on Human, the record yeah. that uh, Paul Masvidal. And-
0: I mean, the, the thing about this kind of music nice. is that, regardless of how you feel about it, it has built-in limited commercial potential. Like, it's just... Right. It's, uh, the accessibility factor is very low. It's the jazz of metal. It's
4: like, it's so far out. You know, it's just, they're doing stuff that's like, technically not accessible to people. You can't hum it. Yeah. It it doesn't conform to... This is actually
0: like, and it's interesting, because this is kind of like, I always think of it as like a different branch of the same thing from Meshuga. Like, this is the... If this is bilateral... Masuga is coal, which is a weird analogy, but, you know, it's, it's, um, is more about develop a rhythmic idea. Right. And this is more about, there's a lot of different ideas, and we go from A to B to C to D and just kind of, you know. Would you say all more, the ideas? All the ideas, yes. <laughs> probably all the ideas. And there was, for a long time, there was supposed to be a second Spiral Architect album, but everyone in it was in different, is in other bands, and it never came together and at this point I don't think will but
2: no
3: there've been interviews with uh, I don't know one of the band members and said like yeah we really wanted to do it but at this point it's
0: really not going to happen yeah Even if they did, the amount of people who'd be like, fuck, yeah, finally, you know, be like 30 dudes on the internet. Yeah, but they'd be more of this now, too. Probably the same, but there isn't, is the thing. There's really not a lot in this.
3: Well, maybe with harsh vocals and some other.
0: I don't, with this level of, like, coherence, I don't think there is, I mean, there really, there may be some, you know, you're right, probably the closest thing would be some kind of tech death. But then it would be tech death, yep. and uh, that's, the, that's why this is kind of unique. Um, but what's interesting is I think, like, the Meshuggah approach to technicality, which is more rhythmic technicality and less... Uh, like virtuosity? Yeah, less... Exactly. Um, that really caught on more, even though people still do it wrong. <laughs> so... <laughs> So yeah, you don't get that anymore at Prague Power. Um, actually, the, oh no, the other closest, the other band I would kind of put in the same camp as them is them, Zero Hour.
4: Yeah, and they haven't played in ten years. They
0: don't. Well, you know, it's like, I don't think they technically exist anymore. They've they've gone through a the the Tipton brothers, who are really the main uh, creative force in Zero Hour, have gone through several bands. Just the,
3: one of them have medical issues now.
0: Maybe I don't know. I mean. Um, uh
4: for a time the, the the one who plays the bass had something wrong. Oh okay. Him. I'm not sure that's still the case. Yeah, uh, I, I seem know. to
1: recall that. But that I mean that that yeah,
0: talk about memory hole, like that's going way back for me. But yeah, um I mean they're still around. They do different stuff. They had this band Synthesis, which actually is the right. original, the original, original singer of Zero Hour with them. Um I think I have one of those albums. They're kind of cool, but but you know it's similar level of technicality. But they, well, I, I feel th- their songs were more accessible. I would say well, they um, were, for a time. Well, it's because they were they were uh, they were written with a little more restraint than Spiral Architect, which is I think because Spiral Architect was going for like you know maximalist um, technicality. Like they're like they didn't want to be a like they, that's why the uh, the only reason i know that that song the fountainhead is like their least favorite on that album and they feel like doesn't almost doesn't fit is because they they were trying to like start a prog band and they wrote that song and then they're like let's not be a prog band let's be a tech let's be let's do crazier shit yeah exactly so you know
3: but with Zero Hour you kinda of have to also take it album by album. Some are a little more out there. Yeah, they've
0: definitely to- and they had like like they had this uh like a death metal project for a while. Um but all their stuff, you know, you hear like the Tiptons on it. You hear their style, like it's all
4: sweet picking I almost like- feel like
0: maybe they've hurt themselves because they keep changing bands. Um simply because they're like well this dude's not in it so let's not call it zero i was like well but it's harder for people to keep up with your stuff you
1: know what year did uh power of romans play poo. um yeah i th- they played poo. <laughs> poo. Poo? oh power, power of moments Poo oh poo oh
4: yeah
0: poo. Okay. You're I, can't, right. I can't let go of that you no,
3: know that they, band they, they clearly didn't consider the internet ramifications yeah, so of their yeah, yeah. There.
0: that <laughs> was the thing uh, Power of Omens played the first one because I did not see them and they did not play again because they ceased to exist very quickly
1: no that, and I'm I'm sure that I saw them play the dude from pa- the vocalist from Power of Omens was, was with, oh, Zero with Zero Hour Zero yeah, he played hour. with Zero Hour that's what it was yeah Power of
0: Hour <laughs> <laughs> or Zero of Omens Zoo, zoo, <laughs> yeah. I had a that soft wasn't as spot good as in my I heart h- as for, I thought it would be. What? Uh, Chris Salinas in Power in Zero Hour.
1: Well, no, I, I think his voice is totally different from any of the other vocalists they had. Now, I thought that I thought that that he was well for one thing. If you if you if you saw them in Mind Crime who played, like, the pre-party some year. Yeah, yeah I mean, times. like, I, he was dead on, like, a dead ringer for Jeff Tate at that era. Yeah. Um, right. But but I thought, it, I mean, I enjoyed him in Power of Omens, but his voice is very shrill, I would say. It definitely amped up the um, well, tech, I, techiness. I, I like his voice, but I yeah, felt yeah.
0: I felt like it fit Power of Omens better. I didn't feel like he I fit agree. Zero Hours. It felt, it felt weird. Yeah, Zero oh. Hour
1: needed a... I mean, I'm not going to say soulful because Zero Hour is not really a soulful kind of band, but needed somebody with a with a more but normal registered well, voice. But
0: si- and, and the singer did kind of have a kind of soulful, kind of gritty kind of thing. Well, I actually, Maybe I really, really like the
1: vocalist from the third... I think the third album... Uh, I can't remember the name of it.
0: I don't think I ever heard that one. No. Yeah.
4: it's the guy that ended up in Future's End. I think you're right. Yeah. I can't remember his name. Probably should look that up. Yeah, probably. Mm. Yes, I, my 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 favorite Zero Hour album is if we're thinking of the same one is that one, uh, someone with the monkey.
1: Yeah, it's a fragile mind. Yeah, hmm. fragile mind.
4: Yeah, I, I really that like guy, that album. That guy ended up as the vocalist for uh, Future Zen, who we just spoke about because of Steve DiGiorgio.
0: Who's that guy? What's his?
1: Fuck if I know. I can't remember his name. um yeah that's this is not helping anyway all right we're gonna edit this part out
4: (laughs) well um i would really love it um so my first year was six and uh one of the more profound experiences that year i mean there were a lot too you know orphan land just blew me away and therion blew me away and anger of course blew me away mainly because they had the amps turn up really really loud and so they nearly blew me outside of (laughs) the amphitheater um, but the um, the other band that really kind of like uh, blew me away that year was Conception. And there's a story oh, yeah. behind the Conception show, right? Do you? I mean that that basically they had broken up several years earlier, and Glenn wanted to see
1: Conception. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Yeah, no, Conception broke up in like the mid '90s or something yeah. like well, that. And the so thing is,
0: uh, Prog Power Two Arc played right. Which, um. And Camelot. Which was the, uh. Yeah, actually, and. Oh, oh, yeah, that's probably what I mean. Okay, so, actually, okay, uh. 303 Party ties in. Yeah. Um, so, right, Arc uh. is. is. the vocalist is Jorn Land, but the guitar player is Tor Ostby. Who is also the guitar player for Conception. And of course, Roy Khan was the vocalist for Camelot, but also previously was a vocalist for Conception. And they were both at Prague Power 2. And I remember seeing them both around 4 a.m. at the 303 party. (laughs) Khan showed up around 4 a.m. with like a coffee mug. And then someone was like, yeah, that's not coffee though. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I remember them talking there or whatever. And so, yeah, that could have definitely played into getting that show but that was a really good show and um they were uh, really interesting especially because like uh Khan really you could tell that like conception w- how young he was because he had that I'm gonna sing high as fuck whenever I feel like it and oh are you, are you?
1: nice what are you playing is this from flow uh no this is uh this is from Parallel of mines
4: Oh, you should play something from Flow, but whatever. No. no,
3: those middle two conception albums are probably the most sort of prog
0: metal heralded. Because yeah, Flow was no, considered a Flo, low. Flo its is a great the album. Best album. Yeah, I, I think or it's a, a, probably the best album as well. But there's always that trade-off. Like again, so there's always this line between like technicality or quote-unquote proginess yeah. and like coherence and like accessibility and there's always sort of the two sides of the sort of community people go one way or the other but there's always like right so like some people are like oh it was great they were so great before flow and then some people were like flow's their best album and it's it's a really good album so
4: I don't want to so you're talking about like um, accessibility and technicality as sort of like two ends of the same dimension or spectrum, and I'm thinking that the best bands actually can do both, right? Uh, or the best on the best records you see both, so it's right. more like. Two separate dimensions. Yeah, and it just so happens that they tend to highly correlate. Well, I
0: think they're hard to combine. Well, actually, this is interesting. This brings up a a thing I've meant to talk about in the podcast. I have this. I don't know what to call it—a theory, or it's it's not so much a theory as it is like a model I use. It so let's just think of it as a device or whatever. So the idea is that uh, consider that music functions as both art and entertainment right and it's not that it can't be both as it is frequently both but it's almost like there's a scale where if you get where you need to balance the two right and so pop music is entertainment with very little art right and spiral architect's doesn't entertain a lot of people. But those 30 dense. dudes are
1: really enthusiastic.
3: <laughs> you know, are those yeah. 30 dudes really entertained or are they just sort of like, uh, you know, technicality jizzing? The
0: ones who uh, were there, can you distinguish?
3: I think the latter. I
0: remember they were into it because they were doing their like headbanging and hand gestures or they were trying to. Yeah, the stutter step headbanging. And there was like the one dude up front who was like, I know all the beats to this shit <laughs> no matter what you do. I'm going to point so you know that I know all the beats. And it was it was hilarious but um and i was like man i'm gonna hurt my neck if i try to headbang to this but
4: yeah i'm just saying it's not an automatic you know it's, it's, not, no, like, it's absolutely, not like right. it's not like every and, unit of artistic right. merit you lose a unit exactly of it's not it's like but
0: there is that. like a balance like right. you can go you go too far in one direction people are gonna feel like it's not it's gonna be less than the other and so you know like sometimes like uh and this is, I think this, is, this kind of applies across art, too. So, like, you know, sometimes you'll see a very artistic film and it, it moves you, but it was less of a sort of entertainment experience and more of simply a meaningful one where you're like, wow, that was really powerful, but I never need to see that movie again. Like, it right. made me feel things but I'm not going to sit down like, you know what I should watch is that movie that... Uh, <laughs> there Will Be Blood is a great <laughs> example of yeah, that. Exa- like, yeah, excellent exactly. movie.
1: I'm really glad I watched it. I never want to see it yes, again. exactly. Exactly.
0: exactly. It. You will want to see it exactly once. And I so I think it's a apparently. good... Uh, it's an interesting thing to bring up for, like, Prague especially because, again, like, yeah, there's this thing where it's like you can get really artsy... You can do it but that's, There's different ways To be quote unquote Artistic right And one of them is You know you can do Complex Intricate right. things um, But they can For some people Interfere with the Entertainment aspect All I'm
4: saying is That some artists Have found a way To take hmm. that kind of thing Absolutely And I and think make it
0: Right it And my that point sounds like And my point Is that the best stuff Is when you find The best balance So that you can right. maximize both Maximize Maximize both Yeah things.
4: I like that and well, I feel like, like Flow probably did that better than the other conception albums.
3: But um, I think coming off the uh, previous two, there were a lot of prog heads and we were like, whoa, this isn't as technical. This isn't as yeah, traditional dream theater happen. prog. Right. That's going to
4: happen yeah. when you go from something like you know an extremely technical one to one that's a little more like, this is radio ready. You know? yeah. and, and I mean, there's no doubt. Flow is very nearly AOR, I mean, for Conception, it's very nearly AOR, like, Mm -hmm. I, I rank, I basically just, I think of it, I don't even think of it as a progressive album, it's, it's like borderline, just, just a straight up power metal album, but not, not a power metal album like Blind Guardian power metal, but just like, basic metal.
3: Well, the way I've heard it framed is like, that album was a stab at some more sort of commerciality and maybe a little bit more financial success, and then when it didn't really go over that well financially, that, that was part of what contributed to the band breaking up after it,
2: so...
0: Yeah, I think we've seen that a lot, too, in the metal scene. Because you see bands who are either progressive or a little progressive or something resembling progressive. And then they hit this point where they're like, I want to make money. We we like our fans and everything, but we'd like a few more of them. And yeah, we'd like to not have jobs and shit. Um, But the problem is, like, uh, it only worked briefly, like, maybe in the 90s for a few people and most of the time it doesn't it doesn't help anybody you know because it's like you have an audience they like the stuff you were doing and now you're trying to get other people into it by doing less of that um but there are also bands who write really great albums because they tone down the wittily bits uh shit Cole like Leprous is too new and interesting and it's like I think we're just a little bit not past it but uh it's a different world now and um but that's an interesting example of like right. bilateral is way more widdly and yep. frenetic and cut from a to b to c and then cole is more each song develops an idea and they're right. both valid approaches to composition yeah
2: they're both great they're
0: albums they're different and different I mean, people will
1: right i'll just i'll just I say doubt. that i'm not sure that i'm not sure that that lepers became more popular as a result of cole right i don't I think know not, big, no no they I, became I more popular
0: because they go around and play awesome and people. Well, saw right, them. right.
1: No, I'm saying, I mean, I, you know, I, I love Cole, right? They, they I mean not big and enough and I for it to be that kind of a, as well.
0: issue. And it clearly wasn't that yeah. on purpose. I am just saying they just happened to write a more focused album. Right.
1: I'm not, yeah, I guess I'm, all I'm saying is that because they wrote a more focused album, they didn't do it in order to get more fans right. or did that result. Right. It's not right. clear that it, that that was the result. Right. So they, no, it, they
4: clearly intended to write something that was completely different.
1: Absolutely. But it, was, yeah. it was
4: completely different in a way that was different. Right. It was. Most bands this think is going to yeah. be this is going to be different right yeah. it's like most bands think oh, i'm going to do something that's like incredibly insane and it's going to be different and it's not because there are so many bands. to think about this is going to be our heaviest
1: album ever yeah,
4: the thing about levers is we're going to do something different we're going to strip everything down we're not going to have solos and every song is going to develop organically and we're going to say the same shit over and over and over again for five minutes And it it was awesome. (laughs) It was like... It was a game changer. Yeah. Amazing album. People will be trying... Bands, new bands will be trying to uh, rip off that album in the future. I believe that. That's a given. Well, I
0: hope they try to rip off Cole and not The Congregation.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, The Congregation is the first uh, album to try to rip off (laughs)
0: Cole. Although I think I I know... um, I think I figured out the the influence in the prog scene that is most guaranteed to make me no longer want to listen to you is if, if, if suddenly you, you really just got into what Radiohead's been doing and like because that's like they've they cited Radiohead and it's that sort of um not quite ambient not quite like kind of atmospheric just kind of like a lot of whiny shit right yeah a lot of whiny shit um but <laughs> but you know what I mean like but the 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 sort of uh um it's it's sort of like I don't know how to properly start, but you, get, you get what I'm saying the point is people like uh any uh I, I find that the prog bands who I'm less into who use that kind of approach there's like it's like if you write a long song but it's not really because that much stuff happens in it it's because you just kind tra- of dragged be- it out yeah. and well like- there are a lot of metal
3: bands particularly prog bands that feel like well at a certain point, we on the album we have to have a long song, and whether yeah. there's a need for it or not, there's going to be a long song. Wait, right.
0: and that oh, that would be an interesting. It'd be interesting to fig- try to figure out when that really started to shit things up because, <laughs> I mean, that was cool for a minute because bands that could do it would do sure, it right. Yeah. They would be like, "Well, we wrote one long one, you know," and they didn't want to do that too much yeah. because then you've got like you know like Yes albums where there's three tracks. <laughs> um man that's well but I mean I so look, look
1: at like Symphony X right so Symphony X on Twilight and Olympus had uh, through the looking glass which like 12 minutes or something it was a great song like it clearly needed to be that long mm. and it was good it was focused and like I love that song I think it's one of their best really long songs yeah. and yeah. then you have the Odyssey right oh. which just keeps just like going and going and going, and going and going and going it's like oh God let it in it's I like it's 20 minutes but yeah. yeah it's it's 20 some it's like 22 minutes I think. But it, but it but it's still it just feels like forever really? like, it's, guess, like the, you know, yeah, it's like you know it's like the really edge they, of forever my, my brain sure is always like they, they, bro they, that song's they, 30 minutes the most
4: recent year they played they played that song
1: they did yeah they, yeah, they, I, no, they the, played it twice at Prague power i yeah. walked out
0: i've heard it at least twice song. and, like, and i done. did not need to hear it
3: i don't need to hear this again forever. So I couldn't really walk cool. out because I really like the last two and a half minutes when they finally get to like a real point. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: yeah, yeah it's, it's just, 20, but it's like eight minutes of wankery right before that it's, the problem. It's
0: 24 yeah. minutes, but I think I always think it's 30 because it feels like the longest song I've ever fucking heard because I get so bored and I only can remember like 30 seconds of that song It's the big hook at the end. That's the one good part. Yeah. I'm like that kind of that part is kind of cool. I, mean,
1: I like the I like the the uh, maybe the first four four minutes or so I, of it. I can't remember anymore. But then, then yeah, it intro, just drags in the middle a of, of the wankery
3: and then a really good, like catchy chorus thing at the end where he comes yeah. back and right. Right. conquers yeah. whatever Exactly. From,
0: so. Yeah. I feel like it's that thing where they're like okay, we did Divine Wings of Tragedy. That was the first one that was like nineteen minutes or something or like twenty. And, and it was good. Through, through it the was looking good. Glass. Yeah, yeah. They did that and Through the Looking Glass. And those are both pretty good. And a lot of fans would really like those songs. And they're like, let's do it one better. Let's do the Odyssey. It'll be even longer. Was there and, a, and we'll
1: play it at every show.
4: Was there a really long song on uh, V? Um, yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah, so I the
1: new Mythology it. Suite part two, I think is like 12
0: minutes or something. I don't know exactly yeah. how long. It is. Yeah.
4: That, album. I mean, that, that album never bores me. But yeah, that's so, the thing.
0: I mean, it really, it doesn't... Um, yeah, 12 minutes. Yeah. And it's the last track on the album, which is the best place to have an excessively long right. song. And then the rest of it, that's actually why I think it's so good, because there's a lot of like five, four, three, seven, eight, but five, five. Yeah, there's a lot of like five minute songs. It kind of keeps it moving. Because there are a few. Um, there's something like interludes. And yeah, and stuff. yeah. There's a little, little, that album, I mean, I love it, but it's a little heavy on the interludes, but um, but they're short, so it keeps it moving. Um, yeah. Fuck the Odyssey. <laughs> So where are we? I think we're still on prog Power Two.
4: Symphony X has played several times. They've played, you know, they played the
3: first two. Yeah. Okay. So they must have
1: played. They must have played at least four times by now. Maybe more.
3: One, two, four. That most recent one, and maybe one another one in in the middle there.
0: Right. So we're we're not. I've only seen. We're still on two. We're we're gonna get through like two of them. They played
4: four times then, because it was one, two, four, and then. Yeah, big long. They've
0: played times. more times than I can keep track of. Yeah, is they're not, the not every Circus Maximus. Well, no. So, no. so the
3: so the time that they played the Odyssey that I remember. So, did they play it last year? The last time they played, okay, the they, they, they played, they, yeah, they yeah. played nine songs. They, they had a more than ninety minutes set, and they played nine songs because they had both the Odyssey and Divine Wings of Tragedy in it. Yeah. set. Okay. they started
4: on Divine Wings of Tragedy,
1: and then okay,
3: because I feel like I didn't stay for the Odyssey the most
1: recent time they played it. Right, but I stayed the time before that but i can't remember when that was it was before i started coming hmm. so it
4: had to be five or earlier
3: probably yeah, i was probably four yeah it could be could be
4: that's about when it came out so it came out in 2000 or 2001
3: you yep.
0: yeah
1: but i feel like we need to i feel like we might need to push the discussion along i could right. i could cue up a song to, sure uh, to help that out
0: <laughs> absolutely
4: not not a twenty minute long.
0: Song. I mean, we don't really have to be chronological because, oh god, <laughs> Matt just saw what I'm playing. Um, it won't convey the the how bad they were though. <laughs> like,
2: oh,
1: so this is a Secret Sphere. Um, and this sounds are like terrible. Well, this sounds like you know run of the mill power metal with a little bit of frogginess to it, yeah. right? You know, it's fine. Everyone was expecting kind of a normal power metal band, you know, with a little bit of progginess at the festival. And what we got instead was quite the performance.
3: Yeah, and there's no indication from listening to their albums about how weird their live set was going to be.
1: Yes. Yeah, it was...
3: (laughs) And and is not anymore, oddly enough, because this dude is not in the band, and they're just a pretty conventional Italian prog metal band now.
1: Yeah, and I, I've been I've been trying for well, however long it's been, so you know, th- like thirteen years or whatever, to get footage, video footage of this set, unsuccessfully. But um, was that the, the,
0: might the be one of the years where there was no cameras and it was still during the like bootleg lockdown ears.
1: yeah i think it was i think it was prior to like the first use of the cameras yeah and it was i mean and and the 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 like no camera policy extended like maybe even like into the 2010s i mean it was it went for a long time um but yeah the the vocalist the front man for this band was incredibly flamboyant and, I, I mean, I'm not making a comment about his sexuality or anything. It's just like his manner on stage was unbelievable. Like he was just jumping around, like prancing in a in in, in just this unbelievable way that no one was expecting.
0: And also, while doing so, singing terribly, so yeah, that too. bad. Like again, I hear this. Like he must be a st- he must like sing in the studio and like. Compress the. He must, you know, use a lot of studio tricks to make this sound passable because live he was so bad. Like his pitch was so terrible. He was running around, just kind of like. And it was just. What the. You're right. I wish we had footage because I cannot properly express how fucking bad this dude was. Right, and I
1: and I often have wondered: is my has my memory embellished this? Right. Has it
3: made it even more
0: was insane than it was? As what, bad was as it I really, really? Yeah, remember. exactly. No, it and,
3: was uh, like I, I was into that. Like I I, was, I really liked the se- uh, the. Second, you, you were into that. I, don't know, I, I really liked the second Secret Rear album
0: because I remember listening yeah, to like this is a
3: great I mean okay
0: for a power metal album I think this is a great yeah. album Matt will disagree probably but I don't know because I never listened to it I listened to like one or two songs to get a sense of what they were gonna sound like and then I saw them and I'm like what the fuck
1: well yeah so this is this is one of the bands that I was most anticipating that year yeah, like I was, I was really to excited them. to I see like these guys album,
3: I I showed up late to their set and I run in and I'm like this is gonna be awesome, and I'm like, Wait, what fuck the, the just hell, hell is to-?
1: going on, right? <laughs> and so I spent basically I spent the whole set, like, like uh, mentally undressing the backup singer, <laughs> yeah. who was pretty hot. Yeah, yeah. So, so was this was the singer? So the the the. The, the
2: singer is gone
3: now, though. He's not in this like band the loopy, anymore. The, the guy who also sang for Vision
2: Divine. Is no, that
4: the singer at the
3: show? Because No,
4: it was he, a different guy. He sang for, for Vision Divine and he wasn't like prancing around the stage. Like
0: no, it was a different it guy. It had to be a different guy.
4: Because this That's what this sounds like. It sounds like, like I don't think you'll
3: find any video of this performance, but there's a music video of Secret Sphere from that era where you can see the singer in the music video and it's not as ridiculous as live, but you can tell it's ridiculous.
0: Listening to them now, I hear a few hints that he would be that terrible live. I wouldn't Picked up on him back then, but I hear a few now. Like, basically, he can he like he sings in two registers, and there's like nothing in between, right? And one of them is that, which live had no pitch, right? So he probably in the studio like, yelling to get that in the studio, and li- live it was just, and then when he drops lower you can hear it's just it's so much quieter like he doesn't have the breath support and yeah i'm i'm i can hear a little more of of how he was destined to suck uh listening to it now but so man anyway we don't have to listen to the rest of this but But. that's the thing like it it doesn't it's not that is that good, it but doesn't, it, doesn't it doesn't sound right. Yet. It doesn't convey what a ridiculous mess that was. Yeah. <laughs> that that set was quite something,
1: and and I I, I wanted to segue from this into the uh, into the Wuthering Heights set, oh, yeah. right? Because I, I wanted to go with like two of the most ridiculous <laughs> yes. frontman performances at prog power, yeah. and so the Wuthering Heights set uh, a few years later um, was. Uh, was fronted by is it Niels Niels Patrick Johansson? Yeah, Niels Patrick Johansson. And so so the the not unusual part was that he was out there without a shirt on. Yeah. Right? The problem was that he was incredibly scrawny. And so he just looked like this skeleton basically like a yeah some you know like sweating emaciated guy like jumping around on stage and it was very off putting <laughs> like it just wasn't what you would expect I mean normally if somebody's you know if some front man is out there like you know like jumping around the stage right you expect them to be like jacked yeah. right and this guy was just like you know like the you know like a 98 pound weakling it
3: was but still he really was belting out these like Ronnie James Dio sounding vocals
1: yeah now. no I mean his vocal performance I mean unlike the guy from Secret Sphere yeah. his vocal performance was very good but the but it was just like visually <laughs> like there was this discontinuity between what I was watching yeah. and what I was hearing that was remarkable. And it like remarkable enough that I remember it to this day and, you know, that's after, you know, probably 500 gallons of beer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
3: and trying then, to... And then the, like, the lyrics about trolls and hobbits and stuff
1: uh, like
0: yeah, that. No. So their, that. their song uh, Bad Hobbits Die Hard? Yep, yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great song title uh, if you're a terrible band. Um, yeah, they had like all the... Uh medieval stuff and like I think, they had didn't they have like a violin player or something? They had like some fiddle or something to give it uh, I, I there was a lot of the you know um kind of folk metal Yeah, they're huge on that. Like on their
3: yeah. third album, that kind of uh, medieval hopping sort of thing
0: Yeah, they did it the whole time, didn't yeah, they? It yeah. It
3: started then it came back in the middle, then the last song yeah. had a ton of it.
0: I think we need to listen to some of that is it, are we listening to Bad Hobbit's Die Hard? Of we, are. we are. Good.
3: Awesome.
1: Sorry, the wireless network in the Residence Inn is not so good, and so it takes a little bit for it to start up and stutters on the first play.
4: Oh, I love this album. I mean, you know, I, this is this is, my, this is my, I like this album.
3: No, to be honest, I really like this album. I mean, it's super cheesy, but I really yeah, yeah, like no, it. Well,
0: it's one of those albums Folks that I didn't really get around to listening to and then I saw them and I was like, well, now I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like a lot of people were like, this is a really good album and then I saw them live and I was like, all right, well, not anymore. <laughs> uh, they were just, no, they were, they were one of my top, like, worst prog power for prefer- Like, next to Secret Sphere, just like, what the f- You guys doing this on purpose? Well, so so the thing so
1: what I will say in Secret Sphere's defense and these guys' defense is that at least their sets were entertaining. We're here talking about them like 13 years later. Right? Where like a lot of the sets at Prog Power are completely forgettable. And that's that's less I mean to me that's worse. That's true. Um, I mean, I'd rather than make a complete ass out of themselves on stage and be like, "Man, think, <laughs> remember that set? Oh, that was awesome!"
4: Apparently, Spock's beard uh, is starting ridiculously late. Like,
3: mm. yeah, now they've started now, but uh, yeah, you know, late it, was, it was. Yeah, 50, if you
1: want to keep your yeah, if you want to keep your streak up, you might they they might send them off early, so you might want to head back, you know, within like ten minutes or something. Yeah. unless you're you know unless you're gonna be like cal rip gonna yeah, be like all right i'm done you know i'll i'll let my my streak retire well, I could now. claim my
3: streak is just the main set you know the main oh, oh okay i could claim that and yeah you know, only the only friday saturday maybe although it's been every other day so far
2: I
0: don't <laughs> <laughs> well if you need to go let don't don't uh, be afraid of uh, whatever we can
2: Let's it was go. All
3: Let's
0: all go.
2: Yeah, just go, go for two songs long.
3: come back yeah maybe yeah mm-hmm. maybe we'll do that Yeah, let me do that. Yeah. Me See, do that.
0: I feel like they did not sound anything like this live. There's another band where it's just like I think it was it was partially both them and Secret Sphere. The the like the technicality that you know, what what they have of technicality uh, did not translate. Or like they could not pull it together live, you know what I mean? So it just it's it's fast. And it, it sounds together on the album, but then they play live, and it's a fast mess, and I'm just like, what the hell, man? Did you yeah, guys a, practice this cases, stuff? Really. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Smeet has left the building to preserve his streak. <laughs> of uh, By seeing whoever's still in Spock's beard. <laughs> uh, hey,
1: man, I, everybody's got something.
0: Everybody's I know the keyboardist, uh, Rio... Hakamoto? Maybe. He's still in the band. My guess is that Neil Morse's brother is still in the band, but I do not know that for sure, nor do I intend to find out. Bad Hobbits Die Hard. God.
4: So, so I would have to say that of the years I've been going, probably the most mediocre i mean uh, mediocre is an unfair word but just the one with like the least amount of memorable performances mm-hmm. was was seven like i, mm-hmm. I went to seven pierre maze savage circus free kitchen i still don't understand what people what people get all worked up over Freak kitchen it well, never did
2: anything for me
0: i like free kitchen but i also won't argue with anybody who feels the way you do because i totally totally get that um i mean uh, Matisse is a good guitar player. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. But they I mean, they put on a good show. They're a good music live band.
4: Show. I, so I get the show. Like right. I get the show. That's fine.
0: Right. I don't but listen like, to their albums usually, much. Their albums are just they just
4: bland. Right.
0: You know, well, they have music. some good songs here and there. Um, uh, usually when they bother to write one that isn't being like silly for no reason. Um, that's the thing is they try to do the humor thing, but the way they do it. It's kind of weird, um, and doesn't isn't really funny. Uh, yeah. B- so yeah, no, I, g- I get that. Like I basically, I actually, honestly, I just listen to uh, when I if I actually listen to them, I basically listen to a few tracks off Move that are pretty good. But I yeah, um, it's one of those weird situations where I really like him as a guitar player, and I appreciate that he isn't doesn't play exactly like everybody else. But yeah, I don't actually listen to his music that much. Um, And he plays comparison guitars and so that kind of got my attention. But um, yeah, no. so I enjoyed them but Mercenary? Mercenary played that year, bro. That
4: would would probably Mercenary, bro? Mercenary. Probably be one of the bands that stood out. You know, Evergrey too, they had that ridiculously loud set where they had the uh, the uh the quartet on stage you couldn't you couldn't hear the quartet it was the stupidest thing ever <sighs> and then they had that, that 35 know. minute break for the mayor's proposal uh, good lord and uh yeah that that was uh that was that was weak i mean the most exciting thing that happened to me that year was my appendectomy
0: oh yeah. <laughs> so. well here since you, since you mentioned the year that mercenary played Sweet. i'm gonna play some mercenary because they're pretty awesome
1: yeah mercenary uh that that year was uh, was notable for me with mercenary because i managed to fall asleep during one of their it. set uh, well no I, so I i i didn't sleep through the set i took a 15 minute nap in the middle of their set yeah. with my head down in the seats behind the soundboard it was you know i'll never live it down but it was kind of funny in
0: retrospect so uh what is significant about mercenary especially this album 11 dreams uh which seems to be mostly about 9-11 uh but aside from that they really they nailed a sort of like there's they're pretty accessible songs uh but they still have aggressive but still melodic vocals and they had this weird pairing of the lead vocalists and then I think uh, either the bass player or one of the guitar players also did vocals there's a lot of like doubled vocals which are both either like like this it's like melodic but still harsh yeah I agree Yeah, I wanted to uh,
1: to uh, jump back to 2004 for a second and talk mm-hmm. about Brainstorm, because there was this interesting story about Andy Frank and uh, Daniel Gildenlow and uh, and some lyrics that were probably or almost certainly be, uh, ripped off, right? And uh, so there was this, from what I recall, and I hope I have the events in the right order, but... Um, This controversy came about um, You know There was no comment for a while And eventually Andy Frank made some sort of like Pseudo-apology It wasn't There wasn't You know Like it was Mm. It was sort of half-hearted and whatnot And then They came to play Prog Power As Brainstorm In 2004 And uh, Nobody expected them to be good Or as good as they were And they were unbelievable They blew the house down Because he did that in his other
0: band SimForce, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. And that was, like, his more progressive band. I'm doing air quotes, by the way. Yeah. Um, and then Brainstorm was more like a straight-ahead metal band, which worked way better for him. Like, he's not really a proggy guy. Yeah. Like, he, he's he got a strong voice, and he's good at doing that one kind of, uh, kind of thing. Right, but he's really good at that. Yeah, he's really good at that, but it doesn't translate to, like, intricate progressive music and... Um, and isn't really the same thing as what I think he was trying to do on that stuff, which is probably why he had to <laughs> rip off <laughs> Pain of Like he really, yeah, it was, he was pretty, really beaten. close yeah. and it was either like, like if he did it subconsciously, he's subconscious a lot. Like, I mean, like <laughs> maybe he does a lot of things subconsciously and doesn't, I don't know. Like, and I did not care for brain Brainstorm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, well, that doesn't surprise me, but I know that, mm-hmm. like, just, just, I mean, I, had, I really enjoyed that set, and I was totally not expecting to. I went into that set being like, oh, you know, whatever, right, you know, this is the guy who, like, ripped off Dana Gillenlow, right? Yeah. And, like, he went into what I, what I, what I perceived, probably from my limited perspective, as a hostile audience, and just took over the whole place like everybody I, I talked to a bunch of people after the festival and everybody said the, like definitely the surprise of the festival right. that, that was, year that was were. the
0: band everyone was raving about that I didn't agree with that year there's always, like every other year there's one band where I'm just like oh my god guys you know what band really did it oh my god and I'm like what were we watching the same show I don't I get it but you could see in the venue that that was going to be the case, too, because people were like, ah, yeah, like, like, yep. you know, rocking out hard. Like, I mean, um, you know, same thing happened that, w- I mean, it, not that it was a surprise with Gamma Ray, but the kind of same thing happened where the, like, the place was packed to the gills for Gamma Ray, uh, I think at a point when they weren't used to, you know, aggressively selling out every year. Because um, I think the first few years, they didn't even, like, I don't think... Uh, I don't even that they tried to sell the maximum number of tickets that the you know the place would hold because I think it was something like you know 800 people the first couple years or something and then it jumped up to like a thousand whatever the actual capacity is or something I don't I, mean, I could be totally making this all up but I remember Gamma Ray being like holy shit this whole place is fucking packed um, and everyone seems to be kind of into it. Um, you know, they
1: played so long that that Glenn had to like hook them off the stage yeah. too.
0: Well, I didn't stay that long, but uh, or wait, how long? I well angra while.
1: played after them and i i Maybe feel like back. i feel like i left like oh, i, I didn't see angra food. that year yeah i
0: probably watched a little bit of gamma ray and i'm like this is cool i can't get anywhere like it was the thing where you had to like if you came in once they started you had to stand in the doorway kind of thing so i basically was like all right yeah
1: I, I actually I, I actually feel like you me sumit and bob were sitting down for part of gamma ray like, over on, uh, on, uh, uh, like, audience left. Oh, maybe. maybe up the, up, you know, okay, like, up, might, up yeah, in the ambitant
0: or happened. somewhere. Because I might have come in and been like, holy shit, this place is packed. And then you were like, we have seats or so, oh, we have a seat or something. Possibly. Yeah. Or I mean, I'm it's making been so long, up. right? right yeah. I don't know. I don't you know, even know what year that was. 500 right? gallons of beer. Yeah. Yeah,
4: there's no doubt that, um. Pretty
0: yeah, I I still listen to this album. Uh, I added the, the vocalist on Facebook because um, that's the thing. Like uh, the one after this, this is pretty good. The one before it, they hadn't quite gotten the like songwriting down yet. So this one, they nailed it. The one after, it's good too. And then after that, uh, this dude left the band, and I like uh, half of it. Like the songwriting is good and the tone's pretty good but like half of it for me is i really like this dude singing
1: a, ba- a band that mercenary reminds me a lot of that i wish that glenn had booked at some point was cybreed hmm. i don't know if you're I know familiar if I, with I them
0: re- i remember hearing about them i don't yeah. actually remember listening to them but
1: yeah I mean, they just they for some reason like their music just reminds me a lot of mercenaries yeah
0: Well, this is um, uh, when I started working out a bunch last year and my trainer had like a little speaker. He was like, what do you want to listen to? And, you know, like, what's the band or whatever? And so uh, he put on Pandora and I gave him mercenary and a bunch of stuff from this would come up from it pretty regularly. And then so would, like, five-finger death punch. be no. like, no, Pandora. This is not the yeah, same thing. Yeah, that sort of crap is the reason why I stopped using
1: Pandora. Or why I never used it
0: at all. Yeah, well, I, I didn't use it either. But, yeah, my trainer was like, how about Pandora? The best Bad part, Pandora. though, was as uh, I gave him two bands. At one point, he was like, what's another band? And I was like, never more. And here's another problem with Pandora. So sometimes they'd be like, you know, some really good thrashy Nevermore songs. And then one time it put on a live version of Dead Heart in a Dead World, which means that uh, instead of just the usual like little like acoustic intro, he would like sing the uh, the soft intro part acapella so you just hear crowd noise and then him being like to see the last river. and I'm like doing crunches to this <laughs> and, I'm like, and like everyone in like this half of the gym can hear it because my gym, right. that's why I was always a little like like I don't know man like put on whatever you want he's like no now what do you want what do you want to listen to and I'm like uh, stuff nobody else did? like I wanted to just be like my sugar just put on sugar. <laughs> but I feel like like, like what the fuck you know um, but yeah, yeah. So a band that we haven't
1: mentioned yet for 2005, Orphanland. Oh yeah. I
4: mean, well, I mentioned them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you did. Yeah. Okay. okay. Sorry, I, I missed that. I, I mentioned that they were, uh, you know, they were one of the more profound performances that year. It was yeah, just, it totally blew yeah. me away. It was so
2: great.
1: Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, they. I mean, and and you know, like sort of like uh, like Brainstorm blew everyone away. Uh, uh, in 2004. Well, everybody except for Matt. Yeah. Um, but like in their later performance, were not nearly as well received or as as dynamic. Same thing. Like with Orphan, Orphan Lands, yeah. yeah. Orphan oh. Lands' first performance was amazing, and then when they came back later, it just they they didn't have the same gravitas. Well, well, part of the problem was that they decided to play a bunch of shit
4: from the new album, which nobody had heard yet. Yeah, and you can't get you just can't get the audience
0: excited about the
4: the, same level anyway the other stuff they haven't heard
0: the other thing that happened is um, I mean it may not be related but I feel like their whole I don't want to say their career their creative output took the same turn which is that um, I feel like Mabul still has some of their best stuff on it. And it took them years no to doubt. write that. And I think that's why. It took them right. years to write that and it came out really, really good. And the next one has some good stuff and it sounds really good because it's produced by Stephen Wilson. But I don't know, I never got as into it. And then the one after that, it they just turned into like, Power metal band or something. They just—I mean, not really power metal, but you know what I mean. Like, same I same the, issue. They did a flow.
4: I thought the follow-up. Yeah. Well, I thought the follow-up. All up, is one is their flow. Of one, I thought all in, all is one was actually better than the.
0: But, I mean, it's but, got, but,
4: but either one, so, one of them is Mabool.
0: <sighs> right? Yeah. And the problem right. is, Mabool is like, yeah, one of a kind. That, the one after
4: was, uh, many people, because Or uh,
0: Warrior at least has some it, of that. Like, it still at least sounds like it's by the same band that did mabool But all is one is just like, well, but also, but the guy, I think the guitar player who did a lot of writing left by that point, or something like that. I don't know for sure, but I know that like they had a lot of lineup changes before all is one and so i think that's why it's a totally it's a totally different kind of top thing
4: matt pool is probably on the top 10 list for many people in terms of like the best albums of the decade that it came out in mm-hmm. i mean if it's in my top 10 isn't his top 10 probably like thinking of the pmx community in particular mm-hmm. you know yeah i mean a very ob- popular uh, album in that community
1: yeah i mean among um, i would say that for me that's true among albums that are associated with bands that have played at Prague Power, right? I think like I don't. I think that the that the album is um, has some flaws. There's some filler in it. It's you know like it's very. It's like it's really good at the at the beginning. It's really good at the end, and the middle kind of plods along. Yeah, there's a few but, little. But I mean, yeah. it's even 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 considering that, it's amazing. It's a really really nice
2: album. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I think like yeah. There's there's. I, I honestly need to actually listen to Oral Warrior more, because I know people who think it's like the best shit ever, and I really like a few tracks on it, but I don't know if it was that then I ran into like the lame tracks, or if I just didn't listen to it enough to, to get into the rest of it, but I, I, I wasn't quite getting the same kick as I was from Mabool. and then All Is One, there's some good songs or whatever, but I was just like, this is just like a like a different. It's like they they have the same themes, but like they're not writing the same type of music.
4: Did you ever notice that on um, the the track with the dial tone on Or Warrior? There's that mm. one track where yeah. the, the music pauses periodically. I
0: love that track.
4: Did you did you ever notice that the the voiceover in that track is is um, Agent Smith's monologue from The Matrix when he's interrogating. Um, or like, fit. humans
1: are like a disease.
4: He doesn't say... Um, I don't think know if he says that, but he does part uh, of it. Whatever. I, I, Wait, I, I, I hate it. this place. <clears throat>
0: Where does that happen? Is that the
4: Happens it's somewhere in that track with the dial tone. Oh, okay. You can you have to play, maybe you can pull it up and play it. But yeah, you yeah, have, yeah, good idea. He, um, well, he, he he recites that monologue. It's it's the, it's and I've tried, you know, tried to figure out well, How does that I, mean, I don't even know what
2: Or Warrior is really know, about, that, I know, but I
0: know. it's like why would Well, you, that's the thing, right? They, that's the thing. I I haven't uh again, I haven't listened to Or Warrior enough to totally say what like mm-hmm. the story is or whatever. But again, they're like they they're they stick to similar themes. So like the path. I think it's yeah, part one I think. Yeah.
4: Maybe.
0: Or wait, no, it's it's from Broken Vessels.
4: Is it? Okay, sure, it's this one.
0: Yeah, because yeah, I really like the, the riff the when it tone. kicks in. I really dig the little yeah. I think the dial tones on the previous the end of the previous track, but okay. Yeah, see this still has a little bit of Mabul to it. But by the time you get to All Is One, like, I also feel like, like, I don't don't know the whole story of this one, but All Is One, like, feels like they really got heavy-handed with their message, you know? Like, Brothers is just like, We were brothers, but now we have to fight each other! All is one! We're all the same! Like, that's the same message? Just, like, removing any nuance or, like, semblance of, like, metaphor, just, like... Well, right. It's I mean, part of the
1: reason why the birth of the three was so awesome was the metaphors involved. in Yeah. Mm.
0: Also, I feel like he tried. He like he got better at singing melodically, but then he did too much of it on all his one. Like he's just trying to. He's just like it's mostly clean singing, and. This is the part. Yeah, this is the next line. It's coming. So he's quoting the Ma- agent Smith from the Matrix. So I didn't mean
4: to give the impression. Wait, that I he thought. Was using wait, a sample no, of the I, because because that used to be because
0: that used to be such a common metal trope to like use an actual sample of dialogue from a film from like a sci-fi film or something. Right. Like um, and so I thought that's what you meant, and I was like, I don't uh, think they said that, but but yeah, but once I heard, it, I was like, oh yeah, so he actually says
2: it I was does out Rolling along one time,
4: listening to this, and I'm like, where do I know that from? Like, I know those. <laughs> Words. Course, yeah, I've seen the Matrix like four hundred times.
1: So, oh. yeah, yeah it I've seen the Matrix a lot. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have picked up on that.
3: So,
2: well, yeah. so yeah, well, you know, you know shows you
3: have observant I am. I've listened to Maboul way more times than Or Warrior. I have to admit that. So well, that's part of
0: it. That that um that just reinforces my plan to since I don't think an actual audio clip of Werner Herzog saying would you die for the Pokemons? Would you kill? Actually exists. I'm just going to fake it. Because uh, I want that to start off one of my songs now.
2: <laughs>
4: but I saw, you know, okay, so talking about or Warrior for a second, I mean, that, like, that song in particular and the one immediately before it, it has some really, like, interesting, but odd, stuff yeah. like you don't even hear in typical progressive metal. right because like, they got this like Middle that,
0: Eastern thing that's part of right, it they, they borrow you from beyond, I mean it's yeah.
4: that, that whole crescendo and then stop and then they come back it's like to yeah. me, that's like I mean, the more and interesting
0: I, and um, again maybe I just maybe I just haven't listened to the album enough but I feel like there, I didn't hear any of that on all is one like okay, let's
4: one for compare. Let's come down a lot easier. That's
0: down. what I'm saying, and it's not bad. But I was just kind of like, ah, what? Here, let's for the folks at home. In order to illustrate our point, and and this now ties into what we were talking about. With oh, we have to listen to a song from Flow after this, for the similar, but uh,
4: we should listen to the entire album. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm
0: I'm down, but wait, is on spot? Like, there's enough to connect it so, like, you know it's Orphaned Land, but... It just sounds like they didn't try as hard to get the extra kind of... Yeah, it's not as... as
3: Yeah, they throw in the Middle Eastern element, clearly, at the beginning, but, yeah, it's more of a conventional, like, metal song. Well,
4: I felt like Tear did did the same. Like, Tear had this... The first few albums... You guys knew who I'm talking about, right? Yeah. So, okay, so they the first three obviously had this very folksy uh, approach. I mean, it wasn't just like, hey, you know, we're going to do folksy uh, melodies over just a power metal, you know, dumping bass on, right? Or a double bass. It was like, they actually had one album called Land, yeah. where it was, I mean, it was very unconventional metal. It was really good. And then they came out with... Uh, their next album and everyone since has just been like yeah we're just gonna play you know these um, Faroe Island melodies over power metal no once they
3: uh, once that song hold the heathen hammer high once that became a big hit relative to their size then they well that was kind of just went with that
4: on land that was a redo. that was a remake of a song they had previously released on an earlier album
2: oh really
0: I so. so this is this is like an okay riff or whatever but they kind of just re- repeat they kind of like it's such a traditional song structure compared to I oh, yeah, mean like you go from mabul to or warrior where I feel like I feel like it was a little more accessible probably because they just wrote it a lot like it didn't take five years or whatever to write it and so but its still got some cool bits and and I think uh, there's some cool production elements that Stephen Wilson probably added. And then this is alright, but it was just kind of, like, comparatively, I mean, it still got, you know, it's grooving or whatever, but compared to those albums it seems super straightforward. And then there's this song, Brother, which is just like, again, it's like trying to pick up on, like, what's going on or whatever. And honestly, I didn't even know if, like, like or Warrior and Mabul are both concept albums, as far as I know. Yeah. This one, I don't know if it is. It sounds like it could be, because all is one and then the brother one is a similar like we're brothers but now we're on different sides of a war and like that's cool but man that is a a a well-worn trope right (laughs) like that is we get it we get it you're you're brothers but you have to fight each other sucks really sucks (laughs) (laughs)
2: it's
4: a good song but you're right, it's not like Birth of the Three on Mabool. Yeah. Which is... Yeah, no, yeah. Well, I mean, this is land-breaking. So, so great.
1: So. <laughs> Spotify has this, you know, streaming shit down. Google Music, eh, not so much. Oh. Spotify used to do that. Well, clearly they've learned something that Google Music hasn't. <laughs> but... The advantage of Google yeah. Music is it has all of the stuff I've uploaded to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. This is a pretty cool album. Um, it's it's more straightforward, but they weren't like so crazy technical to begin with, so it really wasn't a big stretch. Yeah, yeah that's true. It's almost, which is why I almost feel like it was ridiculous for people to be so like... Well, I, I actually, I feel like I've, I've heard a lot of people with the same opinion as you, were a lot of people were like, actually, that's my favorite Conception album. And then there's, you know, there's people on the other side, but I always felt like those people were being ridiculous because they were never, like, they weren't Symphony X to begin with, you know? They weren't all, I know? think part
3: of it is that uh, the first three uh, Conception albums, especially the second two, mm-hmm. um, like albums two and three, they really showcase Tor Osby's kind of stop-start, jagged riffing style. Mm. Whereas on flow, he smoothed that out a lot more. Mm. And I think maybe that's what they were reacting to as opposed to the sheer technicality. Yeah.
0: That makes sense. But I like it because it's smooth. It is though. Actually, now that you mention it, this is a pretty fucking... Yeah, metal? That's a smooth groove right there. (laughs) A smooth metal groove. See, what I need to do is not... Claim to have created it, but to formalize yacht metal, <laughs> and then I gotta find a bunch of old examples like this and be like, "Bro, yacht metal's been here. It's all always along. been there. It's always been there inside your heart." <laughs> well, part of the reason I, I, I when I when I jokingly came up with that whole thing, I was like, "Oh, this is what—that's what I've been writing anyway." Like all my like, because okay, so um, the thing in metal, especially prog metal, is there's always this. Uh, weird division between the heavy parts and like the clean parts right and usually metal bands are like all right we need these clean parts just so that the heavy parts sound properly heavy but just i don't i don't care what it sounds like at all just fucking it's the other part of the amp that i don't ever use so i don't care if it sounds like absolute garbage but just just play some of that um but anyway the point is uh i wasn't doing that I was doing so. Uh, actually, Pain of Salvation definitely has some some yacht metal moments. They got some oh, yeah. smooth smooth stuff, and that's probably where I I partially got it from. That, and then I listened to a bunch of Steely Dan. But yeah, well, the, um, the rhythm here is
1: definitely smooth.
0: Yeah, because it's it's got the right it's grooving, but it's not. Yeah, well, it's got, it's, not it's, it's, got the,
1: it's got this very like this very rock cadence to it, but there's metal on top of it.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I do feel that with, like, Pain of Salvation, too, as you mentioned, like, especially um, something like Remedy Lane, like, it's not as heavy as the stuff that I would normally listen to, or at least, especially was listened to at that time, like a lot of heavy power metal and thrash metal and stuff, but there was, like, a heaviness aspect to it that was hard to define that wasn't your typical metal, and so even though it was, on the surface, lighter than what I might have listened to, I still liked it a lot. And I guess maybe that changed with some of Pain, of Pain of Salvation's later stuff, where I just heard it and I was like, "Well, I don't know how much I want to listen to this." but...
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so so like uh, Rope Ends, what we listened to earlier, um, was uh, was not one of the songs that I would consider yacht metal, right? It's it's too yeah. staccato. Like there's too much. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, there's it's too jarring in a sense.
0: Yeah, it's a uh, it's a it clearly it's a song that clearly came from a rhythmic idea, right? Like he clearly started off with just like I'm gonna play this riff where I just hit these upbeats, right? And then it builds on that as the drum keeps adding, like um, uh, I was totally blanked on the the term for it, but basically little. Uh, Slightly earlier rhythmic notes, right? So it's for just, bump, you know, ba da da ba da da ba datasets that but you know like the drums keep adding a little more but up up but up and you know it keeps kind of adding to that with that same guitar rhythm like another one is like handful of nothing where it was that like like seven like a countdown like pedal note where it goes like seven six five four three two one 5 you know so it's like a rhythmic idea and so that's your, your your crazy rhythmic song but then like um a good example of really smooth although like uh like lyrically it does not work as as yeah right but like uh in the flesh it is so smooth for a song about horrible horrible abuse <laughs> I don't, I don't even know these guys.
1: Well, so
4: <clears throat> are, are we moving on to another era of prog power?
1: We are, we are. So, so I did, I did actually. Before we moved on, I wanted to, I wanted to mention um, the uh, what year was it? So it was 2006 was the year that that Epica played the first time, right. and uh, so that that uh, set was notable for one reason and one reason only and uh, well from from my perspective at any rate is it introduced me to death and I was not familiar with death before then but they the the uh, three guys from the band basically played symbolic uh, uh, on stage like about two-thirds of the way through the set and uh, sorry sorry crystal Crystal, yeah Yeah. crystal mountain from symbolic Um, and I was blown away by how awesome the song was And I was like I need to track this shit down and like listen to the original version and yeah that got me into death so
0: that's a really weird way to get into death yeah it is <laughs> isn't
2: it yeah well, well no, no, I death, outside the bro, no but bro. i
1: would but yeah i mean up until then i would i didn't listen to any sort of technical metal or anything like that right i mean that was you know like when when spiral architect played earlier you know years earlier i didn't watch them i mean i just was not interested in mm-hmm. that stuff um but yeah that was uh, crystal mountain their rendition of crystal mountain now I, I don't even know how good it was but it was good enough to get me <laughs> interested in in death so but yeah, I did. I did want to to move along a little bit to. Um, we talk about Prog Power right now
4: and Virgin Steel's set.
1: I, I was for, I was just for, going to get for, there. For the thanks Fire for scooping Singer. me. Wind thanks Fire for. Singer? Well, let's talk about Virgin Steel first. So so Virgin Steel's uh, set at uh, at Prog Power Eight was it? Said yeah. yeah. Um, so it was me, TJ, Sumit, and Bob. In the audience, basically doing like we were so on, we were on, we were close to the rail on the uh, in audience left, yeah. right? And we were, you know, fist pumping and the whole business. And, um, and, uh, David DeFay, uh, was, you know, doing his, doing whatever the hell he was doing. Like he, he was, he was kind of crazy.
3: I remember he had, I, he had the open shirt, right? Yeah. He had like, I mean, the, so yeah, the worded. open
1: shirt with like the hair sticking out <laughs> and the whole business. Um, now, notably, the band did not have a bassist on stage. Right. Also,
0: I'm pretty sure it was a leather shirt. That's important.
1: A, a an open, open leather, leather shirt. shirt. That's, yes, yeah. yes, that's, that's, that's very important. The, the odds are pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so they did not have a bassist on stage. So they had a they had a, a recording basically, like a backing track for the for the bass, which was kind of weird. It was weird to it see a odd. band. Yeah, it
4: yeah. Odd. It was probably probably a one time only thing in front power that they didn't have a bassist on stage. Well,
3: right well, now, this was. I think it was like they hadn't been performing for a while and. I don't know, they pulled them together to form and they didn't have a basis. Yeah.
1: So now this this was also the year that uh, that Justin and his friend. so this is uh, this is Justin Richardson who's uh, the uh, his handle on the boards was Mosquito uh, and his buddy had these plastic swords and they were thrusting them into the air at every set and I remember an earlier set in the show they did this and the singer from a different band I, I can't remember who it was grabbed them and was like you know was holding them over their head you know like oh yeah this is so awesome like you know Return of the King or some shit like that, but like when he did this to David Defay, like right in his face, like Defay like rolled his eyes and was <laughs> like, "Fuck that shit, I'm not, you know, touching that sword."
0: <laughs> was that um? There was a band they specifically brought those because was it Elven King or something like that? I want to say. Oh fuck, I can't something. even remember. Not maybe anything. not. Maybe it's a different one. It was what one- I can't keep all the like. <sighs> the
1: you know, if I look at the it? if I look it's at the just... list of bands, well, it was, I was clearly.
0: Well, it was somebody worth waving swords at, meaning it was some silly, like, D&D metal, so. Yeah, undoubtedly. I'm, I'm looking I, at the I went, list I was now. Like, I was trying to think of the band, a band that had Elf in the name, and that's the only one I can think of. Yeah. Um, wait, Elven King was there the same year as that party we were talking about earlier that you guys had with Bill Hudson and stuff, because I remember them being at the party, and yeah. I think that's what happened. I think that girl ended up talking to someone from Elven King, and I was like, fuck those guys.
1: God, man, you know, like, so other bands that played that year, like Primal Fear, that could have, it could have been them, right? Uh, yeah, they're
3: not so much fantasy your like, swords.
1: Yeah, I mean the only the, the only so it looked mm-hmm. like it looks like Virgin Steel played second like right after It must have been Virgin Sti-
3: Steel
0: or third. Wait. They played yeah, after they in Rain Time and Communion. They Were in the middle, yeah. Because yeah. of what happened
3: with Rage Years earlier. Uh, the, yeah, it's not the it's not the sword
0: year I'm thinking. Right? I'm thinking of one where the, I remember they specifically were like we brought these swords for this band and it was obvious which one it was. It wasn't so it wasn't I mean yeah. they brought them more than one year. You know, I so. could
1: I I will point out that my memory we could be completely fucked up on this and I might not be remembering the right year, but I seem to recall you know, like Justin trying to give the sword to David DeFay and him yeah, being right like, no it. way, I'm not having any of you're this. Right about th- you're right about it being.
4: So did you cover that he was steel? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: yeah.
0: Did you cover the, the touching himself? Cause that was the key thing. <laughs> like open leather shirt. But also like touching himself throughout the set, and at one point he like rolled his microphone. No, no no, was, no, 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 no! That, oh, no, no, that was else. the guy from Fi- that, yeah, was, that was that was
1: Stephen Stephen, Frederick. yeah, yeah Steven Frederick, from, from Steve. Firewind, the oh. the old Firewind vocalist and yeah. the Kenseiner vocalist. Okay, well, you kept saying the yeah. guy from
0: Firewind, uh, and then you talked about Virgin Steel so I thought did he was I, singing for did them I, or something. Did I do that? Oh, then I don't. Yeah, see, I don't know any of these fucking people. Wait are.
1: A minute! Did I say that? I don't you mentioned yeah, the guy from Firewind. And I did at the beginning because, Steel. So I because you meant, were like, talking about it. it w- was talking about yeah, it. and
0: since Firewind is one of those bands I've never heard, but it's always like people who've been <laughs> in it, so I assumed like maybe he sang for Virginia I don't know Virgin no, 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 so I assume no. maybe he sang for him either. So, so sorry yeah, if I ruined, so, the, story yeah, the, uh, ruined sorry. the story about Yeah, you ruined the story about Firewind. No,
1: but yeah, so so the Firewind you kept back and forth. So Firewind, uh, their original vocalist Stephen Frederick, who at who like had uh also sung for Ken Ziner, um was uh was guest vocaling for uh for firewind like toward the end of their set. Yeah, he lives in Atlanta, so they brought
3: him in for a couple of Yeah,
1: they were like, oh you know, hey, you know, we're old friends, you yeah. know, come on in and sing a few songs. Well he he comes in and and he's on stage like singing song you know singing Firewind songs. And at some point during a lull in the vocals he takes the microphone and sort of rolls it across <laughs> his chest like across his boob, his man boob yeah. right and then like yeah starts starts moving it in a circle mm. and everybody in the audience is like
0: what the fuck are you doing <laughs> and, and, uh, he's <laughs> a great singer that like, was, he's belting out the yeah the he's thing good thing like he he was doing a lot of touch. like that was the peak of him touching himself yeah. but he was like <laughs> regularly touching himself because which I'm not again if you're a metal singer from the 80s right that was like part of the thing metal Metal was like supposed to be sexy part of the time in the eighties. So guess like, he was a metal singer from the eighties because he was an older guy. He was older. Than right. The that's rest what of Firewind I'm saying. Then. Right. I think. Well, I'm assuming when he was in Firewind was the eighties. I could be. It could have been nineties because that you know the eighties hit like parts of Europe yeah. in the nineties or or just like stuck around. Like yeah. they just kind of like they're like, what do you mean the party is over? I don't know what you're talking about. We're yeah, just just still for some over here with perspective,
1: the since I don't know shit about Firewind, I'm gonna play a little bit of uh, Ken Ziner so you, oh. so so listeners can uh, can get uh, some. Perspective perspective play, like, on who Stephen Frederick is. Albums,
3: is that yeah, right? I
1: just don't know anything about their music, yeah. so... But yeah, this is Stephen Frederick singing for Ken Ziner. I will also point out that, like, in the late 90s, this was one of my favorite power metal albums. This, this, this would almost belong on, like, a Guilty Pleasures mm. uh, podcast, except that I don't really listen to it anymore, mm. so...
3: I gotta admit, that's I got this designer we... disc and I, I did not love it, to be honest with you. Wait a minute, you? Wait a minute, you were like Mr. Power Metal. I know, but this one wasn't a a fa- fit this was a little too keyboardy for me, let's say.
1: Interesting. Maybe that's why I like this one. It, it was a little bit like off the beaten path. Yeah.
0: It I yeah, I hear a little ingbe in it. It's got a little bit of the Yeah well the the guitar's keyboards. Oh, not Yngwie yeah, guitar, yeah okay. but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying okay. like Ingve's band, not actually Ingve. Like, s- the keyboards sound like a keyboardist who would play, you know, like a lot of Baroque kind of like, you know, with like a harpsichord sound layered over some shit.
4: So I'll mention two things while just playing about Pro R8. Two, a few other things that stand out in my memory. Um, so the guy, they, not not the guitarist Fire, not Gus G, the other guy, Bob. Uh, kind of blew everyone away Because he was At one point Was uh, Playing both uh, Keyboard and uh, tapping
3: yeah. guitar oh, at the yeah. same
4: time, which is, which is a trick He's used uh, On the multiplication oh,
3: That the guy's guitar. gonna be Playing this year With Sirius Black too.
4: Oh that's right yeah. Okay cool um, Primal Fear I don't really care For them But I do remember Walking into the amphitheater While they were on stage And it was like 97 degrees in there And it was Apparently Ralph Sheepers Has this thing about Not being able to sing or whatever when the air conditioning's
0: on. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Some dudes are... Because it, it dries you out in a cold... And, yeah, you get And kind of
4: unique. I remember walking into the amphitheater when they were on and there was just these, like, three humongous sweaty German guys yep. standing
0: up on stage. <laughs> I think I completely missed their it set. Was,
4: it was, like, they had, like, the... This is going to sound terrible. Like, one of the worst stage presence of any band I've ever seen like no interaction at in all with the audience <laughs> yeah, no improvement
3: I, I mean I I like their music they're not my favorite band ever but I like their music but yeah there was no show stage presence there. Just, like, okay so
4: Power 8 also notable for for the All-Star Jam the two things that happened during the All-Star Jam <laughs> that oh. are extremely notable <laughs> one uh, Floor had to sing uh, Final Countdown twice yeah because the first time the mic was on or something
1: but they were having problems with that mic the whole festival, I believe. Yeah.
4: And then the second one was Damien inviting the stripper <laughs> up on
0: stage. Okay, <laughs> Which, by the fair, way, was awesome. Okay, but you can't just say stripper, because people are going to picture just a woman, like a, a stripper. No, it was a performance artist. Yeah, right. there, were, there was some kind was of it it erotic was, performance art b- thing
3: going on in the room. Right, in the upstairs, and yeah. And they
0: were body painted yeah. head to toe is the thing, so yeah. she... Um, yeah, she she was like, I think it was like black and white, like some kind of like zebra stripe kind of weird thing. She's like fully body painted. There were some complaints. Some people were like, I thought this was a family show. Yeah, some yeah some people I mean, complained some people after were like, the fact. You know what the highlight of the festival was? That stripper. <laughs>
2: and other people were like, <laughs> like
0: it was this weird split. But I feel like uh, yeah, it was a really weird reaction afterwards online because I was like, uh, like I don't I don't think that it was worth that strong a reaction either way but some people were just like there, there was a hot lady on stage and uh, oh and that guy from threshold who
2: sings real good and uh,
0: yeah <laughs> and then some people were like it was all right, horrible and yeah it was just yeah, but that was like the four people who brought little kids to that year right, right right
3: notably
4: and so, yeah among and just, them Lance, Lance King, King yeah. Yeah. yeah
3: yeah
1: and so the uh, one of the other highlights of the uh, of that year for me was this band
4: Oh yeah, that was a great.
1: So yeah. this is uh, Sonata Arctica. Um, this is starting t- from an album I definitely don't yeah, know. Yeah, this is from Unia. This is the opening track off Unia in is Black that, and White. Is that the
0: one? Isn't that one everyone hates? No.
1: So I think no, I think everyone it's I think gay. it's no. Or is it so, just the no, one that like it, no no, it, it, no it's it,
2: typical, it, it, typical Sonata
1: Arctica fans hate. Yeah, so early Sonata Arctica fans didn't like this album Okay. because it went into uh, in a more progressive okay. direction. More, but more I Tony think it's direction. great.
4: More Tony, Cotto. I mean, the, 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 this is a great album and I love it. But the one, the one, I think, like, true critique of, about it is that Tony Kakko's vocals are all over it. Like, there's, there's, rare, rarely does the music breathe at all. Like, he's just throwing words out so much, uh, and that, I think that's a fair critique. But I, otherwise i mean of all their albums i like this one by far the best I, I felt like they were more or less just a stravarious i
0: i already era. hear exactly what you're talking about he's not shut up right like is he breathing because yeah. <laughs> yeah this
4: is the tony I'm kako show am i saying his name right kako Kiko? i don't know
0: i have no idea kako 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 sounds, sounds like fine totally right. to me either way i think we should call him tony kako <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I was very excited to see these guys. This was oh, yeah, the was first. This was show. this was the first band in about three years that I saw hanging off the rail. Uh, actually, got uh, Jeremy Jeremy Hallam shout out to uh, to save me a spot right on the rail and uh, watched the entire band from there, and it was awesome. And I had you know Tony Kako like sweating on me the whole time, and so I was like of two minds as to whether I should shower or not. This was back <laughs> when I was still a raging fanboy. Um, yeah. Now, of course. You know i don't shower anyway so it's not a big deal but
4: <laughs> they played several songs from this album and it was pretty good like the best one so.
1: yeah well i mean i so this album and the immediate predecessor reckoning night are my two favorite albums and uh they played a lot of songs off both albums and so i was very happy i was super pleased with this set i,
4: I, I predict that they are uh, that they'll return this is I'm, I'm putting this out there as one of my predictions for next uh-huh. year that they will return and they will be playing an album. They'll be playing Winter Hearts Guild or... Um, what's the one? No, it would be the first that? album, probably Ecliptica.
1: Ecliptica, Ecliptica? Which
0: yeah. is 20 years ago, right? Yeah! So yeah. A- play Kingdom for a Heart! Yeah. <laughs> <That> <laughs> as long true. as they play Full Moon, I'll be okay. As long as they play Kingdom for a Heart, because uh, <laughs> that's the one Santa Arctica song I like, but for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Wait, that's not true. Um... Replica is kind of amusing too.
1: No, it's so yeah, it's so Kingdom for a Heart and Replica are my two least favorite songs <laughs> right, on the album. They're
0: so bad because <laughs> <laughs> they're not an Arcticus Um But I uh, no Kingdom for a Heart is funny because um, uh, well, it's stupid, but also the chorus is like it's the same thing it's Tony Kaka won't shut up and like leave a rest anywhere he's like i give a kingdom <laughs> you know it's just this like okay we're gonna no we're not gonna listen to it I played it on the power metal episode what were we gonna so play? I, sh- I was gonna play kingdom for a heart oh yeah let's not cause I played it on the power metal episode and like everyone's just like, "What the fuck is this?" I'm like, "Right, it's so bad."
1: No, this is it's... an actual good, not Arctica song. <laughs> That's not true. So, well, That's... okay, <laughs> well, you know, agree, we're disagree.
4: just gonna have
0: to yeah. agree to disagree. Yeah. Okay, so um, and Eclipse is funny just because he's just what power metal do you like? Return to Heaven Denied. I was just, okay, and, and Guardian, that's and that's yeah. the well, limit of it. Okay, here's the thing though, like, so I don't.
4: <laughs> the album they're gonna play. It's hard to
0: get. Right, which is the one the reasons I actually wanted to go, because Imagination's I amazingly like. Okay, so Blind Guardian nailed their thing with Nightfall and Middle Earth, and then they kept going, which is too far. You went too far. Go back up. You went. You were there, and then you just kept going. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's the best D&D metal album there is. If you're going to listen to
2: d d metal, you yeah, yeah,
0: you should just listen to, that, or at least like something about, you know, Tolkien or whatever. Um, but, be, but Imaginations was pretty good and it was like, um, less of the orchestration and old and, like, massive layering of Nightfall, but just enough of it, right? Like, they were kind of getting there with it, and so it's kind of like... You mean, you mean less symphonic metal? W-
2: uh, less more classical music? That, right, the, uh, right.
0: Like, in their... Like, their, their albums are, like, an obvious progression, right? You listen to their stuff in order, you hear the progression. And so, Imaginations uh, is a little rawer than Nightfall, right? Yes. So... Um, and obviously, it's not a, it's not a concert album, uh, but there's some pretty cool songs in there. And so, yeah, I was like, you know what? If and if they were going to perform an album that isn't Nightfall and Middle Earth, because if they did perform Nightfall and Middle Earth, it wouldn't sound right anyway. In, uh, other, unless they, you know, did backing tracks, in which case it would sound like they're playing the backing tracks. But imagine a remixed version
3: of the Nightfall with, which doesn't have the,
0: uh, why? Doesn't have the
3: interludes because it doesn't. They just wanted oh. to put out one you you can push
0: a button and you can skip those yeah Uh, that seems silly but uh but imagination is pretty good and i feel like they might be able to play it live to satisfaction you know what i mean like they might be able to play it live to a point where i'm not like this needs like 50 more of the same guy singing on it because that's what's on the album But i
3: think i've heard all but two of those songs in various live shows over the years yeah so i yeah, there's every reason to think they'll be able to play it. Well, well.
0: my thing, I've, I've never... I mean, they've been all right live, but... It you just There's there's not five Guitars layered On every lead You know Like it's just So it's not gonna sound The same And some of the stuff Just sounds hollow Cause you're Like you have The like the bass tracks But those bass tracks At least on Nightfall And Middle Earth Are so There's so much On top of them There's I mean There's still metal In Nightfall And Middle Earth I feel like after that They started to like Really erode The metalness Underneath Cause there's so much Crap layered on top Like Nightfall And Middle Earth I feel like they Nailed the balance Imaginations is more of just a metal record with with that stuff starting to form on top of it.
3: Well, after Nightfall, they went less metal, more right, a billion right. But their last two albums, their more recent two albums, they went a little bit more back to the moon.
0: yeah. They they hit their uh, their. Um I need to come up with another, I, I keep using the term midlife crisis period, but I'm using it for multiple purposes, so I need a separate term. But they hit their, um, it's more their back to our roots, is what it is. They hit their back to their back to their roots phase. Um, but then I didn't care anymore, because I was like, well, that's cool, but I'd still rather just listen to Nightfall on Middle-earth. And like, I also just don't, well, I mean, it's okay, it's partially me, it could be partially me, uh, that I don't care about a song about another fantasy novel I didn't read. <laughs> They they wrote they finally wrote one about one I did read that wasn't token and I still don't care anymore I just it's too late I don't I don't <laughs> what's the point and I mean well you, and, you've you've passed the point in your life where you really want fantasy metal kind of and yeah, so you're you know at yeah, this point it's almost true. like nostalgia metal but I also I think I also just got sick of the whole uh, I think I can't really say they ruined it but I feel like a lot of bands follow that like. Um, Guys, I read this book. Let's write a song about it. And for a while that was like cuz one of the reasons I actually I mean, liked that was metal, Iron Maiden's like like, you know, playbook. <laughs> well, yeah. But like for one I mean for a little while it was one of the things I liked about metal cuz it was like, well, okay, at least all these songs are about different things, right? At least they're not all just about like some chick, you know? Like they're different topics, but then like after a while they were not different topics. The topics were just <laughs> the last fantasy book I read or like sci-fi, you know, like the uh, the band that had all the albums about Stargate and I was just like, really? Like, because I heard, it, I didn't, it didn't sound like they were about well, Stargate. So, so Star- Gamma Ray, also, Somewhere
1: Around Space was like about Stargate basically.
0: Oh yeah, well no, but there's another one that Pagan's literally, Mind, or you think, Pagan's Mind? It, Yes, you're right. It's And actually, no, they actually, it is about, and and it's, uh, it's not as bad as, as I'm thinking. There's another one though that I think might have something based on something that's really stupid. But the other thing is I also get super picky about whether it sounds like it should like like that's what a song about that should sound like right which is another thing with Nightfall in Middle Earth is that that's what a metal album about Tolkien should sound like uh, which is ironic because their song Lord of the Rings is not what it should sound like at yeah. all that is one of the worst I, I've absolutely oh definitely about that
3: before because it's supposed to be like the summary of the entire Lord of the Rings story but it's just this like it's lilting ballad
0: dumb, dumb little ballad yeah and like I feel like they wanted it to be what the Bard song ended up being, yeah. which is why recently when somebody I'm friends with was like, there was a clip from Vakken of, because they basically, uh, Blind Guardian doesn't perform the Bard song, their audience does. They yes. basically say, we're doing the Bard song and then the audience sings it yeah. and like and I already don't like that. I'm already like, yeah, I paid money to come here to sing with all these people <laughs> as opposed to hearing this band play, but, uh, but more than that he posted it like yeah, this is pretty much how awesome it was to be at Vakin, and I, I, I feel like a dick sometimes when I do this, but I'm not doing it at them, obviously. But I repost, you know, I posted, I, I shared the same video just so I could say, yeah. <laughs> Although again, the way I, the way I wrote it almost is kind of parroting what he said, but I was like, bro, it was so awesome. They played the bar song. No way, the bar song, <laughs> and um, and then something about that being like only their second worst song or something like I, I i forget how i phrased it but you get the idea you can have me on facebook if you want to see my comments on the barth song but the point <laughs> is it's a, it's a stupid song but not as stupid as the lord of the rings um uh but nightfall and middle earth uh they, they did but um what was i was somebody uh anyway yeah
1: so speaking of uh, bad power metal bands,
0: yes. uh Oh, um,
1: so the following year we got uh, we got these
0: guys. Oh, I don't even know these guys. This is the one where the fuck s- you Google Music. The singer's been in like like ten bands, right?
1: Well, so the, so the 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 frontman of Iron Savior is Pete Seelk. It's, I can't. Has silk, silk. Yeah, S yeah, i e l c k. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. Anyway, um, he he basically does his best Rob Halford pre- impression on stage, right, wearing like the long leather trench coat and the whole business. Um, his voice is like four octaves lower. Well, yeah, yeah, but uh, but I actually kind of enjoy this album. I this is this is definitely a guilty pleasure. Um, but I thought that they I thought that at at Prog Power, they were pretty good for what they were, you know, for what they, they, they didn't, uh... let me put it this way, there was no false advertising involved in them getting on stage, right? They did exactly what I expected them to do. They came out, played some fist-pumping power metal, and, you know, we got into it on the on the floor and then it was over and that was, you know, and that was it. Um, you know, it was, they weren't a disappointment, they didn't blow me away or anything like that, uh, but it was good. Yeah. I mean I think I watched this set with you so well that was exciting there's Mm -hmm. no real discussion about this one so maybe we'll just edit that one out
3: no well this guy (laughs) I remember Kai Hansen was in this band for his first couple albums because it started out as a project and then Piet Silk was like well this is going pretty well I'm going to make it a full time band and then Kai Hansen was like well I already got my own thing uh, so you know good luck with that and it worked out reasonably well for him i guess Uh, iron savior still releases albums every two three years they still play the european
1: they still release the same album every two three years (laughs) you know but but you know compared to the same album that gamma ray releases every two three years now (laughs) iron savior's albums are a little bit better (laughs) so i mean you know so i'm a i'm a huge fan of gamma rays like the, the early Kai Hansen's vocals year, vocalist years so starting with their fourth album Land of the Free Somewhere in Space and Part of Power Plant I thought were excellent I really enjoyed those albums and I actually also enjoyed uh, a lot of I think it was Insanity and Genius whatever the third album uh, yeah, the with, with, with Ralph, Ralph Sheepers it, yeah. yeah and uh, that period I thought was really good Like like kind of that sort of defined power metal for me in a way Um, But like everything after that, they were basically trying to everybody.
0: I mean, Halloween and Gamma Ray basically defined power metal, right? But
1: Gamma Ray, Gamma Ray in their in their good period was better than Halloween ever was.
0: Yeah, but it was the same style of metal.
1: Yes, absolutely. But then, but then, like starting with like like half of Power Plant and everything after that, they went they went in this like Judas Priest direction that I just had no interest in.
3: which I don't No World Order was after Power Plant and that was even at Kai Anson's like a total Judas Priest worship the one after that I think I don't know Kai's wife had some kids and it was like a four or five year hiatus and then there was another one that came out in 2005 that actually was a lot better in my opinion like it had some longer more intricate songs it moved away from the Judas Priest stuff and uh, I don't know and then after that I think they started trying to copy Land of the Free after that
2: so.
1: Yeah, I mean, I basically lost track of them, like, two albums after Power Plant, because it was yeah. like, I, I have no interest in this, so yeah, I, mean, I didn't bother. Yeah. And it's too bad, I mean, like, Kai Hansen was, like, one of my guitar gods, even though he's not actually, you know, like, the, like he's, let me put it this way, he's not exactly uh, uh, Jarz Zombek or, any, or anybody like that, oh, right? Yeah. Well. But, you know, whatever, like, I I like the music he made, it was, you know,
0: fist-pumping power metal, great, but, you know, it was right kind of a disappointment later he's, on.
3: What he's doing? Yeah,
2: exactly.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate or review us on iTunes. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or yourmusicisbad.com. Follow me on Twitter at TheOneTrueMatt and the podcast at YMIBpodcast. If you have any suggestions or hate mail for us, send it to
2: podcast at gmail.com.